BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Too episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. I'm now your host, Dan. Thank you so much, Fink. How's everyone doing out there in Geek Vice Nation? This is your host of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, Dane Alves, doing a uh, Tuesday show, actually, a, l- a little different, um, because we had this uh, this... I don't know, this, this music festival of a wrestling thing called uh, WrestleMania weekend. That was this past weekend. If you didn't know that, I have no idea why the fuck you're listening to this. Maybe you're new to wrestling. You're trying it out through listening to a random podcast. I don't think so. Either way, today we'll be breaking down all the stuff involved with NXT and then the uh, New Japan Ring of Honor Supercard. But before we do that, let me introduce my co-host. Of course, first, my, uh, my main co-host, no offense to all. I'm just saying he always does it with me. Don't don't get all weird all about it and stuff. Uh, my my main co-host Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing wonderful, man. I'm a little a uh, little exhausted from all the wrestling over the weekend. Not gonna lie. Uh, I feel like I was in an Iron Man match with uh, Okada after watching fucking I don't know almost 20 hours worth of wrestling. But uh, outside of that, man, I'm doing good and ready to talk about all the shit that I consumed over the weekend. I guess. I agree with you, man. And also joining us, uh, someone that will be talking about the NXT TakeOver portion, uh, Joel. Joel, thank you for for joining us today, tonight. Thank you for having me today, today, and uh, most of the most of the show, not all of it, obviously. But I'm here. <laughs> well, good, good. You know, it's it's a uh, it's 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 good for you to be here. I'll, I'll just put it that way. Um, you know, and, and, and we're going to be talking about something that we all like, and that, that's uh, professional wrestling. So before we go into the pay-per-views, there were a couple of news items. Uh, I wanted to leave as much possible for tomorrow for WrestleMania, Raw, and SmackDown while we cover the other pay-per-views. But um, a couple of things. I mean, 
I'm sure all of you guys know most of these stuff out there. Um, but our first thing that we should probably talk about is this whole entire Ronda Rousey. Let's squash some shit. Uh, I've heard a lot of theories out there, um, you know, from people from the ending of WrestleMania. Someone's making a, a bunch of noise with their uh, their mic. It's kind of coming through a lot, just, just to warn you. That's even more now. Maybe you want to mute yourself, uh, possibly. Okay, anyways. The, the the wonderfulness about being on the radio, right? Or podcast, whatever. Tomato, tamale. Anyways, this whole Ronda Rousey thing. Let's, let's, let's break this down because a lot of people were speculating that due to the ending of it kind of being abrupt and out of nowhere, which is the reason why you didn't get immediate reaction with the audience because they didn't even know what the hell was going on. You know, you had that roll-up victory. Or not roll-up, but uh, crucifix Roll up, whatever. It's the same fucking thing. Uh, Win very, very quick over Ronda Rousey. And obviously, one of her shoulders was was not touching the mat. And they they brought that up because I'm glad when, even if it's a mistake in front of you, they don't lie to the audience. They don't try to, like, act like something didn't happen. And uh, there was so much stuff going around how uh, that was a complete mess up and that wasn't supposed to happen and that Charlotte was supposed to go down to an arm bar, apparently. I don't know where the fuck people make up all this shit. And um, luckily, the Wrestling Observer himself made comment and said that basically that Ronda did actually suffer a broken hand, and I have not heard an update about that whole situation, uh, somewhere in the match. But that ending was supposed to be uh, how it was. There was reports that Ronda wasn't happy. People were speculating because maybe she got screwed over, like I heard a screw job finish, or just so many... Lots of stuff. I love you wrestling fans, and I am a fellow wrestler fan, wrestling fan, but everyone likes to put a lot of stuff into, uh, you know, nothing, basically. So the reason why we're, we're hearing now, apparently when Ronda was upset, was because she screwed it up. She wasn't supposed to put her shoulder up. But then, in essence, even though it's a mess up, if that was kind of an opening anyways, because no one tapped Ronda Rousey. That's the whole story. I mean, you know, throughout UFC judo, you know, she doesn't get tapped. So... Uh, that continues with this and then can link up something in the future. So even if she takes off time, she doesn't come back for a while or whatever. If she ever decides to come back, basically, she does have that one thing that technically she did get her shoulder up. So I don't think it's that big of a deal. But either way, I'm sure that you guys heard this um, aplenty uh, with this the, you know, information spewing out of it like, oh, it must be you know, stage, they were trying to screw over Ronda Rousey, all that type of hubbub bullshit. Uh, Chris, what do you think about this whole entire thing? Well, I mean, going into it, everyone uh, pretty much, I, I think, knew that they were going to go with Becky. I, I didn't think there was a way around that. So the the finish, I think, was just a little bit of a botch on their part with the roll-up. I, I, th- I don't think there was anything or any, any more or any less that should be thought into it other than that. I know they didn't want to do the tap out because, in theory, you want to hold that for later down the road, especially if she's going to be coming back, saying that, you know, she never really submitted. Um, now they just have another angle to build on top of that. But the injury, obviously, is going to throw her down the road. Uh, I guess technically she's still under contract, but I think this is her last date. So if we see her on the back, it'll, it'll probably be a while from now after the injured hand for sure. Uh, I didn't really, you know, put any other stock into it other than I heard, you know, about the hand injury the next day. Um, well, yesterday, I guess, and from all accounts, you know, she's not really booked on anything else. It's not going to hurt her. Like you said, I think she can just go away and come back when she's ready. And you kind of have a built-in storyline there. Um, and maybe they're saving that submission for down the road. Uh, if she's never going back to UFC or judo, it's a good, 
if you do get a submission victory over, it could be a really big deal. I know that was talked about from, from all the sources that I've heard talk about this. The, the idea was that she would get hit with a disarmor to put over, you know, Becky even further. And uh, there was some debate backstage on whether they wanted to do that and whether Ronda wanted to take that kind of fall. But uh, outside of that, the rest of the match and stuff, like I think it was as design. Um, I don't, you know, by no means do I think that they were going to put Charlotte over in that match. I, since the beginning, we've been saying that we're pretty sure it was going to be Becky. I'm surprised on some of the other outcomes. All we we got a pretty happy WrestleMania, send fans home happy, which I was a little bit surprised on. But outside of that, yeah, the injury sucks. Hopefully, it's nothing too bad. She did break her hands. You know, usually in the wrestling world, with that's like three to four months is usually how they would take off with that thing. But uh, I don't I don't expect to see her back anytime soon because she was talking about leaving. Anyways, so if she does come back, that's great. There'll be a storyline built in. I don't think it's a huge deal. I agree. Joel, what do you think about all this? Um, I didn't even know her hand broke. <laughs> like, that was news to me. Um, but I, I thought it was – I'm very curious how they're going to play it out because I, I, I thought it ended – it was anticlimactic, but I, but at the end of the day, I was happy with who won it. Um, and like I did see her shoulders up, and I, I guess that I guess you just said uh, that it was kind of a fuck up, and I get it. Um, she is still more or less green, um, so I understand where she's coming from. I understand her being upset about it. Um, but it, is it, it? So it's not confirmed that she's gone, right? I'm, I'm not. I'm not crazy here. Like she's she's she, she's just gonna be out because due to injury, not due to anything other than injury, right? Well, I, I want to say, and I'm, I should actually have just let uh, Chris answer this because he probably knows the information a little better than I do. From what I understand, that the WrestleMania was the last show that was basically she was contractually obligated to. And if she wanted to extend okay. it as of right now, it's kind of like Brock Lesnar was last year at WrestleMania. Same type of concept, I'm, I'm assuming. Is that, okay. is that correct, Chris? Yeah, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. She's finished up all her contract dates, so there's nothing booked in the future unless she just wanted to come back. And then I would assume that we'd hear about a contract extension, but with her being injured, it's going to have to kick that down the road anyway. So and by then, right now, she could also – yeah, and not only that, but by then, if, if she has like a couple months off because of a hand injury, that's probably going to give her more time to – take the possibility of wanting to start a family, which is something that she said she wanted to do very soon in the future with Travis Brown. So um, maybe she decides also to have a baby. I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure. We do know that, you know, whether some smarts out there don't want to admit it because they don't watch the wrestling that Rhonda picked up wrestling extremely quickly. Uh, she was a pretty fucking per- fun person to have a part of the matches. She made them definitely a big fight feel. And um, it, take off some time, do whatever. If she wants to come back, I think that would be awesome built-in story. If later down the line, all of a sudden, Becky gets hit in the back of the head by someone, and you find out it's Ronda Rousey, it would be a, a big deal. So if she comes back in five months, great. If she comes back in like a year and a half, hey, whatever she wants to do. I just appreciated this year because I thought she put on some pretty good matches. Um, let's move, move over to uh, something that wasn't so cool. Uh, at um, actually at all at the Hall of Fame, basically, Bret Hart, uh, him and Jim, uh, the Anvil Nightheart were uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame for the Hart Foundation, and him and Natty uh, were both up there, you know, on behalf of the award. And during Bret's speech, a crazy guy with a like one of those fake uh, dreadlock Jamaican hats, basically, that make you look like you have dreads under. He jumped up 
and tackled Bret Hart and probably was the worst thing that you could possibly do next to a stage of wrestlers. Uh, you know, jokes aside, though, the kid uh, got his ass fucking kicked. Um, so basically hearing out, you know, all the information about this, he was a crazed fan. Um, you know, his social media accounts apparently show that he's definitely some, something mentally is not right with him. Um, he apparently stopped an MMA fighter, one of his favorite MMA fighters. I don't remember exactly who it was and told cops that he did this because he just saw an opportunity presented, you know, I don't know what the hell is going on with security there, but if he had a shank, you know, Bret Hart could have been stabbed very easily. Um, so that that's alarming by itself. Um, but yeah, he, Travis Brown, Maria Menounos, um, so many wrestlers, obviously, Braun Strowman, uh, all of them just tackled this dude. And Davey, Davey, um, Davey Smith Jr., uh, completely just annihilated him. And at the end of it, which the only person I really think could possibly, I think it would get thrown out in court, but if anyone were to be prosecuted for assault, it would probably be uh, Dash Wilder, who a lot of people were cheering for at WrestleMania when he hit up his first punch. Because if you watch this video, when they hand him over to security, he just comes back and gives the dude an uppercut and just nails him. But saw his face afterwards and, um, you know, I'm not I'm not for extreme violence, but in the in the case of wrestlers and what it all means of, you know, you've seen that video where Triple H beats the shit out of the guy, jumps in, uh, and starts tackling Stone Cold and stuff like that. You can't take uh, stuff that happened in the '80s and even the '90s and, and before that, with people shanking wrestlers and stuff like that, or, or doing something like that. You know, fans there there are a lot of people that are kind of you know. They're out of touch. Uh, that's just a nice way of putting it. And uh, this guy obviously was. I think they need to start thinking about whether the couple million they get from hosting that at such a large arena with guests or with uh, fans with mer- between merch and, and seats is really worth it. And just say, why don't we just screw it and do it like, you know, much smaller place and just televise it and just let it be about the wrestlers. I think that would be make a lot of sense. Usually – these asshole chuckleheads who they paid their seat technically will try to go into business for themselves, if you will, and try to make it their fucking show while people are talking. And it's really, really irritating in this situation where somehow security could allow this guy to jump on stage enough time to tackle a 61-year-old man who fought and won over cancer and a stroke who actually hurt his hip, had to go to the hospital that night. That could have been avoided. Now, like I said, the guy got his ass kicked. You know, it's it's a weird situation, but Chris, you, you probably heard about this like I did, you know, through social media while we were both watching the uh, G1 Supercard. Uh, what, what what do you think about this? Yeah, it was the uh, same. I was watching, like you said, the G1 Supercard, which had its own shenanigans of sorts. Uh, but, yeah, it, we'll it's a really that. weird situation, and it's it's very scary to think about from any performer standpoint, not just a wrestler. I mean, going back to um, – you know, Dimebag Daryl getting shot on stage or performers getting attacked on stage in general, it's, it's still a huge problem. Uh, you would think that security would have been locked down in the Barclay Center a lot harder than it was. Um, as far as the fan, I mean, I, I don't think any of the wrestlers are going to catch any charges from this because you don't know what someone is going to do in that sort of situation, especially with the way public events have been in, um, in recent years with shootings and 
all sorts of craziness. You just see a crazy guy run on stage. Um, to me, whatever happens to that guy at that point happens to him. I don't, you know, have any, I don't feel bad for him catching his licks, so to speak. Uh, apparently he said that it was because women were in the main event of WrestleMania. Uh, there's tons of sexist comments on his tweets leading up to this event. So the guy obviously, um, as you noted, had problems. He is a, I guess an amateur mixed martial artist. Uh, so there's some, there's some other news and stuff out there. There's tons of clips about it. Uh, hopefully we move past this pretty quick as far as wrestling news goes. And this isn't something that stands out there. That, to me, the big shame was that it, it, you know, it is during a hall of fame induction of, you know, Natty standing up there celebrating her father who just recently passed away. And we have this kind of bullshit that overshadows the entire thing. And that to me is, it's kind of more of the atrocity of, of all of it, because at the end of the day, no one really got critically hurt or injured or anything. And while it does suck, it's like at the same time, I think it sucks for, you know, the people that are there being honored more than anything else. And it's just a really shitty situation overall that easily could have been prevented with security and, Hopefully next year you'll definitely see this thing amped up. I, I tend to agree with you. I don't know that fans need to be at a Hall of Fame event um, necessarily. I mean, fans don't go to the Grammys or, or the Oscars. I don't know that you necessarily need them there for these kind of wrestling events. I understand why they do it, but yeah, I, it's just a shitty situation all around. I know that this guy was charged and released, right? So uh, he'll have a court case on it, but I guess we'll see where that goes from here. But yeah, just like you said, I, I think it's just don't don't try to make this about yourself or your personal problems and just jumping on stage, you're gonna get what comes to you, especially, you know, in the world of wrestling. They've been known to uh <laughs> to lay into lay into you if you decide to, to get involved in something you have no business in getting involved in. I think that just us as wrestling fans and fans in general and and all of the performers are lucky that this thing didn't escalate into something else or like you said, a weapon was involved or anything like that, because that would have been really tragic. And I think, you know, wrestling in general needs to take a look at this and go, okay, well, we did a poor job at security. How can we handle this better? And I think maybe the guards down a little bit more because usually security at these wrestling events is pretty good overall. Like, um, so this is kind of, I agree. A, at least with, at least with my experience with going to WWE events and seeing how people are handled that maybe have had too much to drink or, or being kind of assholes. Usually I, I you know, I, I've seen them get handled at these events. So I, I don't know if it was just specifically the Barclay center or the fact that, you know, it's a laid back award ceremony versus a wrestling event or what have you. But either way, I, this thing could have ended a lot worse than it did. And, and I think the real shame here is it's uh, it's going to always be associated with this whole fame moment, whether people want it to be or not, which is really shitty. Like, even if you edit it out, it's still going to be there on, you know, in the back of your mind if you watch it again on the network or something. And, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I just, like I said, I think that it, we need to get the fans out of there. I, you know, that I've seen some really heartfelt speech or, you know, heartfelt speeches in the past from wrestlers and just ass jacks start hijacking it. Or I remember, I think the best example is Shawn Michaels. Like, we get it. You guys like him. Will you shut the fuck up and let him talk now? Quit asking him for another match. You know, he just retired. Let him just, you know, do his thing and stuff like that. You know, I, stuff like that. It just just let it be the wrestlers. Let it be a cool thing that we can watch on the network. Uh, do, do you agree with that, Joel? 
Yeah, I don't disagree at all. Uh, let me start by saying, um, fuck that guy. I was watching the Hall of Fame when that happened, and it just, I just, I, I saw him get tackled, and then it just blacked out, and I just saw the crowd. Was, I'm like, what the hell is going on? So I went on Twitter to fi- try to get some answers, and eventually, obviously, not long after, we got some grainy video and better, better and better quality. People started uploading stuff. So, uh, yeah, I definitely saw. I, I gotta give credit to the guys that got there first. Like Travis Brown got in there real quick and, and did some damage, and the New Day got in there. Shane was in there, like one of the first guys in there. So, um, credit to them for for, for doing that. Xavier Woods um, had him in a friggin' headlock. Yeah, it was crazy. And then I thought, I swear, I thought it was Tommy Dreamer, but it ended up being uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr. Because <laughs> I'm like, what is that guy in those like pants? I'm like, what? Who's wearing that? But yeah, it was uh, Davy uh, Davey Boy Smith Jr. too. So, and of course, Dash Wilder with the nice uppercut. So, well, he definitely deserved that shit because it, great. I just you don't see that kind of shit. And you're right. Something was in the air on Saturday because like obviously that wasn't the only event that got, uh, you know, uh, attacked. <laughs> it was it was weird. Um. But, yeah, I, I don't know. They, they, they got to switch it up. I, I didn't mind the whole ring uh, thing, podium idea this season or this year. Um, uh, a little different than, like, like, the last couple of years. But, as you saw, it might not be the safest way to, to go about things. So, then maybe they go back to the stage thing. Uh, so, leave the fans in the back instead of uh, anywhere near in the vicinity. Uh, especially if security is going to, you know, let up like that. But it is what it is. Um, and... Yeah, I agree. It might it might just be best just to leave it with the wrestlers. You know, and th- I think it was the first time that the audience shouting "You deserve it" didn't piss me off. So that's I guess that's one good thing about it because they started saying that when they were taking them <laughs> off. So uh, yeah. kudos to you guys in the audience for doing that because he did deserve it. Uh, I will just yeah. I'll end it at this. I'm, I'm I'm a big proponent of mental health. Um, I'm someone that's clinical bipolar. Um, I, I take medication for it and I live a very fulfilling life and I have for 10 years of, of dealing with it, uh, you know, from, from uh, some of the, the symptoms, if you will. Uh, but with this, this really just shows to me that we need to get a lot more serious about stuff like this. And obviously there's been lots of stuff that have happened recently. And um, this is a guy that honestly, there's something wrong with him and he probably should be institutionalized. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just going in there having people look at him, find out exactly what's wrong with him, get him on something and put him back in, into being a normal, you know, member of society. Maybe I'm just speaking rainbows and fucking unicorns and shit, but I'm just saying that when stuff like this happens and then you look back and you see that much, if he would have stabbed Bret Hart and killed him, you know, all the signs were there beforehand. And it just seems like, I mean, unfortunately, time and time again, stuff like this keeps on happening, and it could have been a lot worse. And, uh, yeah, I'll just end it at that. But uh, you were right. There was something in the air that night, like Phil Collins uh, once said. Um, But it was actually, from every account, um, I don't know if it's been 100% confirmed, but uh, if you didn't know what he was talking about, we had some other people jumping in. Uh, At the end of the tag match of the New Japan uh, Ring of Honor collaborated G1 um, Supercard, which we'll talk about more a little bit later. Uh, at the end of the tag match between Tamatanga and Tonga Lo, who won those championships uh, against Evil Sonata, against the Briscoes, and against PCO. By the way, PCO taking that, that fucking powerbomb to the outside. Craziness. Um, and Brody King. Uh, right as soon as it was done, Tamatanga and Tonga Lo got their belts. Yano showed him that he had the New Japan belts and he was stealing them. They're playing this. And then some fucking craziness, if you're watching, 
is happening, and you see the Briscoes, like, fighting this one blonde dude and another guy, and it kind of, like, goes to the commentary, and they're not trying to bring up anything, and you're like, what the fuck's going on? And then you can kind of see while they're talking, people getting kicked out through the audience, and Bully Ray's out there, and you're just like, what the fuck is this? So come to find out, it was Enzo and Big Cass. Enzo and Moore, Big Cass, who hated each other about a month ago. Uh, Enzo wanted nothing to do with wrestling, remember? Uh, they decided to sabotage this, or at least that's what we thought. Apparently, this was this was a work. Uh, this was meant to happen. They did it. Uh, I'm very. I don't know if, if Mark Briscoe knew about that because the way that him and Enzo were fucking exchanging punches, that didn't look like it was any type of work. But whatever. Maybe they were trying to make it look real. And apparently, uh, it looks like Cass and who, from what people said, I'm not trying to like you know fat shame him. I mean, shit, I'm fucking 240 pounds. Anyways, um, he was a little bit out of weight uh, compared to what we're, we're used to, I think, back when he first left WD, or WWE. Um, but that was supposed to happen, and they're signed to Ring of Honor, and this will be a part of an elaborate thing. They were basically trying to do a fake invasion angle. Chris, what the fuck? Uh, who the hell is Sinclair Broadcasting is smoking – some type of weed to say, you know what, we'll do Enzo and Big Cass. Or do you think it's a good idea because they're wrong? <laughs> well, I mean, right now, the, the the answer to that is they've lost so much talent that they're just trying to get a big name in there to stay relevant. So from that standpoint, it, it's a little weird because while you can go – well, Enzo and Cass are big names. They're also opposite of what Ring of Honor fans like. They're, neither of them are great wrestlers. They're not going to be have great matches in the ring. Um, Enzo can talk, but Ring of Honor is not really about promos as much as it is about hey, these are these great wrestlers. Like watch, watch, you know your your Tyler Blacks of the world or your you know Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan as we know him now. It, it's more about the wrestling itself. AJ Styles, Samoa Joe. It's a, it's always been about the quality and the the fans that are diehard who love Ring of Honor want that. So I don't know that Enzo and Cass are a great get for them. I understand why they think they need to go that route. Um, but yeah, it, it is a bit weird of a connection with Ring of Honor and them. And as far as I've heard so far, they're not officially under contract. They were booked for that uh, show. But uh, yeah, it's I. they got me with this one because I, I didn't see the security and also we're coming off like we're all getting stuff about the, the Bret Hart shit. And the way they filmed it was actually really well done, where they uh, shot the camera angle kind of away from everything that was going on. Like I said, uh, barely, barely um, mentioned by the commentary team the way they played it off. And then also, you know, the, the main reason I knew it was Enzo without, you know, after before going back and watching the uh, the actual videos was that it was uh, you would hear you could hear the fans chanting "fuck you, Enzo," which I was like, oh, I guess it's Enzo Amore. Because that'd be the only thing that made sense there. But uh, yeah, they kind of got me with this one. Uh, I know a lot of other people was like, "Well, the security would have gotten there faster," and I was like, "Well, maybe." <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, it was just—it was a weird time to pull it. I think that you know that was probably already planned, and it just had, like you said, I think it just happened to be a coincidence and line up in a weird way where both of these things happened on the same night. But uh, the next day, Enzo came out and said, "Still a certified G." No charges were pressed or anything, so I, you know, it's pretty clear at this point that it, it was definitely a work, and, and they're going to have a working relationship of some sort with Ring of Honor. 
Um, I doubt that they'll do anything with New Japan. I just don't see New Japan bringing them in. Um, but yeah, at least in the Ring of Honor world, we're going to see some Enzo and Cass from from what it seems like, anyways. At least uh, maybe a one-off with the Briscoes. I think they'll probably build that up a little bit. I will say, man, big up on Enzo for exchanging with uh, Mark Briscoe or which, whichever Briscoe, because they're scary motherfuckers <laughs> from Delaware. You don't want to fuck with them boys. That's all I'm saying. And he was actually they were they're throwing punches at each other. So even if they just were like, let's go stiff, like. You know, he uh, he looked like he could um, – he's going to get his ass kicked. I hope in the contract that there is – Bully Ray can put you through five tables throughout the duration of you being here. And I think that that, uh, that Bully Ray would be really happy with that idea. Anyways, Joel, I kind of clued you <laughs> in on all this. Um, what, what, what did you think about this? And now to find out, if, I, if you didn't know beforehand, that it was actually an elaborate work, um, I guess, to get these guys within the Ring of Honor. I didn't know. I had no idea. Uh, I, I was hoping it was, but I, like you said, they were throwing pretty hard blows, <laughs> and, and Ezra got rammed pretty hard into that side rail. So I was like, I wasn't sure what was going on, if it was real or not. It looked real, and I think that if, whatever they planned on doing worked because they sold me. I had no idea they were going, what was going on. Um, so you're saying it's a work? Cool. I, I mean, look, I've never been – I never hated Enzo in, in – um, cast <laughs> but um th- like you said they're not exactly the best workers so i can't wait to see how they're utilized and what they're going to be called and there's a whole bunch of things i'm very curious to see how ring of honor is going to execute with these guys how are they going to use them differently than what the, the way they were using the wwe so um i'm curious and it's intriguing uh and it might it might actually get me to watch ring of honor just just for curiosity curiosity's sake um but yeah, I guess surprise because I had I had no idea. I really thought they were just being drunk assholes. And I think that was exactly what they're going for. They wanted you to um, tune in if you're if you're someone casual and you find out Enzo like what Enzo's on there, you know, just out of pure curiosity. You might not even be a fan of Enzo, but it's a weird situation itself. Chris, did you have any closing statements before we move on to our last news topic? Uh, well, uh, yeah, I have uh, two injuries, but we can talk. We can hit those after the last news topic if you want. Okay, I just wanted to say that Dave Batista officially said farewell um, online, and uh, he had a nice little statement that he made on Facebook um, and a condensed version that was on Twitter. But uh, you know, Dave Batista, him and Triple H, they had one hell of a match. It just was so fucking slow, but. I will put it that they were they were brutal. They did some stuff for their age they probably shouldn't have, and I appreciate that, and I like that Dave had the opportunity to come back, do an angle real quick that, F, like when it started, was uh, definitely a hot angle, uh, the way they set it up, and, um, you know, made his exit the way that he wanted to because he wanted to do this for a while. So um, he's got a lot of stuff to do in Hollywood, but he said to – all of the WWE fans across the world that gave me the opportunity to spend your disbelief, thank you. From the biggest part of my heart, thank you for letting me entertain you. Tonight was my storybook ending, and I wanted to leave you with all I had to give. I'll miss this theater of violence more than I can express in words, but I'm officially retiring from sports entertainment. I'm proud of what I've accomplished. I leave in great health. And without a doubt, the show will go on. I had a hell of a run. Thank you for the journey. And a little peace emoji. Um, yeah, Joel, uh, a couple words about Dave Batista retiring officially. 
one of the best. I mean, that's really one of the one. That's all he would say about him. You know, he went out on his terms. I'm happy for him. I, I was never sure I'd, we'd ever see him again in the ring. Uh, and I'm much props to the new tats. I was completely shocked by how many new tats he had. I had no idea. Um, and a nose ring, nice, nice little nose ring. Um, but yo, know, I always love Dave, man. I remember my first time ever seeing Dave Batista was as Deacon Batista. So he's come a long way since Deacon Batista. So I'm happy for him. I'm happy that, you know, he got his final match in. Happy was against Triple H, and I, and I can't wait to see how his acting career goes from, you know, going forward. Absolutely. Uh, always liked Batista. He was a great, great strong man. Uh, Chris, uh, what do you got to say about this statement from Batista? I You know, I really enjoyed Batista's run coming out of uh, – Obviously, the faction with Triple H and Ric Flair and, and Orton and everything that they were able to accomplish. Yeah, evolution. There you go. Um, I think he had a really, really good run. It was kind of, you know, not as long as you would think, but then it's easy to forget that Batista is actually older than Triple H. So, uh, seeing him go out in yep. the way that he did and having what I thought was a pretty good program leading into mania, the match itself, we can, we were going to talk about that a little bit more tomorrow. Wasn't my favorite of all time. I think it could have been a little shorter, but they did do, they tried and uh, they did some really different spots that I hadn't seen before, such as uh, ripping a nose ring out, et cetera. Um, but you know, I had no hard <laughs> feelings against Batista. I think he got put in a really shitty situation when he first tried to come back, um, which just, I mean, it was the year of Daniel Bryan. Uh, they put him over in the Rumble, and and I'm glad that he was able to come back at least do you know a heel Batista run, have a good exit match, and then you know now he feels like I feel like this is more of a storybooking the ending where the last match that he had was less about hey this is going to be Batista's last match or Triple H's last match, it was more about hey Daniel Bryan is going to win the fucking title, and like it's it's going to be incredible like th- that Daniel Bryan stuff overshadowed Dave Batista's last run so much that I think it was good that he came back and it is good that he got to go out on his own terms. And uh, I have a lot of fond memories of Dave Batista and always, I will always enjoy his entrance with him shooting a fake machine gun um, and fireworks going off. So uh, yeah, I I think we'll end up seeing him probably get inducted into the hall of fame at at some point. I think he could make that, you know, justification. He's a six time champion. Um, Maybe even another person that gets in twice if you induct evolution. So I don't think it'll be the last we see of Batista altogether. Probably his last wrestling match, though. So uh, props on Dave Batista. Like I said, I thought they tried really hard, had a pretty decent match at Mania, and I liked all the storyline stuff um, going into it. So um, thanks for everything, Batista. Enjoy retirement. I'm sure we'll get to see you on a, in a bunch of movies because <laughs> that's what it seems like is going to happen. Thanks, Batista. We'll see you soon in Endgame for sure. Um, and I'm also going to check out that, that other movie he's in. Looks pretty damn good, too. All right. Well, uh, you wanted to give us a couple injury reports. Uh, so I'll let you have it, Chris. Yeah. So normally uh, some of these smaller injuries, if they were smaller injuries, I would just roll through the news segment. But one of them is Tanahashi, who has an elbow injury, and he will be out. Uh, that's that's the big one. Um, Tanahashi is going to be out for, for a good bit of time. We had the Ronda Rousey hand injury. And um, – AJ Styles also has a hip injury. I haven't heard how bad that is, but I guess we'll probably find out tonight on SmackDown. But he uh, he did happen to get a hip injury at Mania, so we don't know what that's going to look like yet. The Tanahashi one is, is pretty bad, though, so it's looking like he might be out for a bit of time for New Japan, which sucks for them, who's 
lost a lot of their top talent, obviously, with Kenny moving, and they were building a storyline up between him and uh, what seemed to be, you know, the more of the middle card right before the uh, the heavyweight uh, getting up to Okada. So it's a it's a weird situation. Sucks for Tanahashi, but yeah, those those are some big ones with Tanahashi and AJ Styles. So I wanted to get those in before we uh, move forward. Absolutely, and yeah, I heard. I think someone said today on one of the podcasts I was listening to, I'm pretty sure AJ is not going to be at SmackDown tonight. So um, I don't know if that proves uh, more to the point that it might be a little more serious or they just decide to give him the rest of the, you know, the week off. Um, but speaking of which, since we're about to go into NXT TakeOver, I have no idea why Aleister Black and Ricochet were in a match on, on Raw when they wrestled on TakeOver and WrestleMania. But, you know, whatever, craziness. But, um, Let's let's start this shenanigans, guys. Um, I watched a lot of pay per views uh, this last weekend for all the wrestling companies, and um, Takeover. I think you know mainly because it was one, two, three, four, five matches. Um, three on the pre-show that we'll see uh, tomorrow night on uh, NXT, but you know eight match pay per view, and um, it was probably the strongest. Uh, you know, I watched NXT, I watched Impact's one, United We Stand, I watched uh, the New Japan uh, Ring of Honor Supercard, and obviously WrestleMania. WrestleMania and the Supercard suffered from being very lengthy. Uh, Impact suffered from having this, uh, basically this week is their big pay-per-view, where titles are changing. That probably should have been this week. I love what Don Callis is doing with Impact, but just having fun, whatever random matches, you, you probably could have switched a little bit, but hey, that's just me. Um, either way, NXT, I think, was most fulfilling because it was five matches. All of them were great. Uh, you know, even if you had problems with one of them or maybe one of the persons winning, you can't really rule out the wrestling and say it was garbage because that's just bullshit. And, uh, yeah, it just a lot of great moments. Um, I'm going to say that I loved Okada winning the title back. I loved Kofi winning. God, even though I wanted Adam Cole at the beginning, Johnny Gargano might have been the most fulfilling moment of WrestleMania weekend for me, winning that title. It's between him and Kofi. They're kind of fighting over it, but it was pretty good. That ending was an ending to a great story told throughout two years between him and Ciampa, and just a good wrap-up. But uh, I'm rambling. Uh, Let's kind of start going into this pay-per-view. So, you know, um, Joel can go back to his, his wife and child and get the hell out of this this podcast mainly. Um, I'm sorry I'm holding you up so much by rambling. I apologize about that. Um, but uh, this first match was fucking awesome for a tag match. You know, we had a mix, you know, hodgepodge tag team, Alistair Black and Ricochet that I compared to, uh, if you guys remember when uh, Stone Cold was first getting hot and him tagging with uh, Shawn Michaels and getting the tag belts. They, they just randomly put these guys together. I hope Vince doesn't think that they're supposed to be together because I'm fucking starting to get that impression. Uh, but War Raiders. And the main story, I think, is that anything you can do, I can do better. And, you know, it was pinned with Roe being with Aleister Black, who could, like, be, you know, more vicious with strikes and, and stronger and show more aspects of that. And then Hanson, who's bigger than Roe, him and Ricochet were going back-to-back trying to do aerial maneuvers and stuff like that. It was nuts. Um, I think the ending was a little bit scary. Uh, I thought Ricochet got his, his, his bell rung from their, their uh, basically leg drop, uh, whatever, pendulum bullshit uh, double-team move that they do. But 
it was a damn good match. Uh, just some of the sequences, especially Hanson doing the freaking sent on to everyone outside. Just crazy stuff, but a great tag match. A lot of fun. And the War Raiders won. I thought that made a lot of sense. Uh, Chris, what did you think about this match? I really, really enjoyed this match. It was probably my second favorite of the night, to be completely honest with you. I, I, this was really weird because I, I, going into it, I thought Adam Cole and and Gargano was going to end up being my favorite match, and it kind of got bumped down to like third, which is probably going to piss a lot of people off. But uh, that that's kind of how everything fell as far as what I, I found the most entertaining. But, uh, yeah, the War Raiders looked really, really good. I think it made sense for them to get the win. It was a nice long form match. There were some scary parts, like you like you already noted, but yeah, I mean, uh, Hanson Rowe look like absolute monsters. I'm glad to see a uh, tag team being built up that I think would be viable on the main roster. Um, I, I've liked War Raiders since they were War Machine back in New Japan, but uh, yeah, I'm 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 really looking forward to seeing what they do with these guys. My main thing is right now the only tag teams I know that they have to go against is unless they're going to pull in some. Uh, UK guys, I guess the next biggest one would be the Street Profits, so I'm curious to see what they actually do with them or if they bring Mustache Mountain back around um, for them to work against because that's, to me, that's the big problem with the NXT tag team once you, if you're moving Aleister Black and Ricochet, you know, full-time main, which they pretty much have stated they were going to do, it's just who are these guys going to work against because they're a really damn good tag team, but uh, yeah, I I really enjoyed the match. I thought it was, was awesome. What, dude? Do you not like, you know, friggin' the, the Forgotten Sons? God. I'm just kidding. Dude, Riker's awesome, but that is a fucking whatever hodgepodge. I don't know what the hell it is. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree. And it was good to see at the end of it, you know, Alistair and uh, Ricochet give their little exit. And uh, Ricochet got very choked up. And Alistair remained very stoic, but it was, uh, it was, it was nice. I kind of wish that Pete Dunne, uh, we would have seen his – version of that later on which we didn't get to see because of a cutscene. um but uh yeah you could see that that was kind of a lot of people were leaving or, or getting towards the end uh of their nxt run uh what did you think about this match joel uh it was a great match uh i think all the matches were great i mean honestly i haven't been disappointed by takeover once since i started watching takeover so i mean it, it just continues here and uh this it, that was a great way to start it um, like you said, that, that was that their first loss together, like as Ricochet and, and, and Alistair back as a team. I don't remember seeing them lose until Takeover New York, because to me at least. No, you don't remember? Isn't that no one know? Um, is it is, as far as I know that was that would have been their first loss together, but then they lost at the paper at, at WrestleMania. So they lost. So ended up losing what, like three in a row after that? Because they lost, I think, in uh, on, on Raw too, right? I think. I'm not, I'm not yeah. But, They're the greatest tag team to lose titles in every single division. <laughs> back to back to back. Because <laughs> they lost. Yeah. yeah, they actually, their first loss was, um, I believe, to the Revival, and they lost the title opportunity, and then they lost the NXT one, and then they'll, they obviously lost the SmackDown ones too. Which is fine yeah, because so, you know we don't need them as a fucking tag team, but no, not at all. So hopefully you know they go back to their individual ways, even though they've been a fun tag team, no doubt. But that match, man, was—I mean, I love the War Raiders. They're like they're great. Their gimmick is great. Their their moves are great. They're they're a great unit, you know. And I think uh, Alistair Black and and Ricochet had a great run together. Uh, so they won the whole Dusty Classic and all that. 
love that. Uh, but I think it's now time to go back to being them. You know, let them be their own thing. You know, like they like they were originally going to be. And I, I like that because I think they can hold their own. I think I can't wait to see them just do their own thing. Uh, probably in the main roster at this point. Even though I would love to see Ricochet win the NXT title before he left, but I don't know how likely that is anymore. Um, but the match itself between him and, and them and the Warriors is great. Great way to start the the pay per view. And um, I just I just again it was just a really good. Really good match, a good way to start. I agree, and they definitely didn't slow down going into the next match because I definitely love that tag match. Was a really big fan of Elvetine Dream and Matt Riddle yeah. uh, for for the North American Championship. My lord, can Velveteen Dream take a fucking ass whooping? Because Matt Riddle That's was good. not fucking around. I love that that concept to him. How he goes from you know being the cool bro, but when he wants to get shit done in the ring, he turns and, and, and is very serious. I've seen the, him do this with Cassie Sono. I've seen him do this um, with uh, him and, uh, oh, man, Drew Gulak. Uh, you know, when he's not fucking around anymore, he just goes into another gear. And um, I thought this was a great match. They actually almost started turning on Matt Riddle a little bit because people love the Velveteen Dream, but – you know, Velveteen Dream, he might not be as crisp as – I mean, fucking Matt Riddle is, is an MMA fighter. I mean, he's, he's trained in martial arts, so obviously he's going to have that over him. While Velveteen Dream is very much your, your classic, great, athletic wrestling entertainer, and he does it so well. And I love the Hulk Hogan spot. I love that whole entire thing. I loved him doing the uh, Randy Savage, you know, double axe handles to the outside – uh, the man puts his body on the line, and it was a fun match. And Matt Riddle was going to get him with the bro mission, and, you know, it was a roll-up. One, two, three. Velveteen Dream got it. This sets up more between the two of them in the future. I'm glad he did the fist bump. I don't want to see Matt Riddle turn heel. <laughs> I actually like him. You know, I, I know a lot of people get annoyed of, like, the, the bro thing, the kind of RVD, you know, when he was in WWE um, type of gimmick, but – he is fun in the ring, and I think it's fun when he plays off the audience. Obviously, they just liked Velveteen Dream a bit more. Chris, I know you like this match. What would you think about it? Yeah, this was actually my favorite match of the night, and it's not because it was probably – I mean, it's not that it was the best work match or the best booked match. It was uh, – it's, it's, it all comes down to really Matt Riddle because the, the fans were not behind him, and Velveteen was playing more of a heel at the beginning of the match. But like you said, he, Matt Riddle really turned it on and made the fans want to boo him. He became the heel because it wasn't working with what they were originally going with. Um, There's a bunch of great spots. I like the Hulk up moment. Uh, the, the Macho Man uh, double axe handle, like you said. Um, I still love Dream's Death Valley Driver. I think it looks fucking awesome. And I, I like the finish a lot because I think you can build off of it and decide you know, what you're going to do with Velveteen Dream and Matt Riddle going from there. But uh, Matt Riddle really impressed me in this match. Velveteen Dream, I, I think he's ready for Maine. I want to see a couple ma- more matches uh, with him and Riddle just to close that out and get the title off of him. But, yeah, I really enjoyed this match. It was probably one of my – if not my – it was – I think it was my favorite of the night. I think I even messaged you right after it happened. I was like, I don't know how they're going to top that because it was – I just – I found it really, really entertaining from top to bottom, and I like the way that they were able to basically turn the crowd from <laughs> – being in a weird lull of we don't know who to cheer or boo for because obviously they, they really wanted to cheer for Velveteen and, and Matt Riddle to get to a next gear like he kind of does. Um, 
selling frustration and how pissed off he was, getting the fans to boo him. I thought all of that stuff was really great. So uh, this was my match of the night. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's not a bad match on this fucking pay-per-view. I think it's probably the best takeover I've seen in a long time. So at this point, the opinion of match of the night or whatever doesn't really matter because it was all fucking good. I I liked pretty much everything on the card. I agree with you, man. I mean, I went to go, I, I think it was Saturday, I, w- I went to go back and watch a couple of the matches, and I ended up saying, screw it, and just watch the whole thing over again, because all the matches were good. I couldn't stop watching them, and um, yeah, this this is another reason. I mean, I just, I really, I really enjoyed this match. I thought it was very executed. The Velveteen Dream's going to be so big. He's only 23 years old. I think he might be turning 24 soon. Like, my Lord, he's going to be big in WWE. And I'm glad they're actually, you know, I know he's been there for a while. But just make him fine-tuned before they could possibly fuck him up on Maine. That's all I have to say. Anyways, Joel, what did you think about this match? Yeah, same. Yeah, like I said, like there's no bad matches. It's pay-per-view, and this is another great fucking match. Uh, from the beginning with the fucking Statue of Liberty entrance from, from Velveteen Dream, uh, I was in. And they had, uh, uh, <clears throat> I just, I, the, the, they had, everyone got their spots in, even though I think um, Riddle definitely dominated for the most part uh, uh, the match. But I think that was on purpose to set you up for like, oh, he might actually win this match. And at the end of it, you know, he he, get, he he lets go. I think they told a really good story. He let go of the lock for just a second, and it, uh, Velveteen took advantage and got the pin. And I was like, oh, shit, all right, that was that was a great match. It, it was, I think it was a well-constructed, well, story was told well in the match. Uh, and I think um, I think it's time for Velveteen to go up too. But, I, again, he's just like Ricochet. I do. I want him to get the NXT title before he goes up. I think he deserves it. He definitely deserves a chance at the NXT title before he goes up. But he's ready, man. He's been ready. That kid's great. Yeah, incredible in-ring performer. Matt Riddle is a lot of fun, too. All right. Well, let's go to the next match. And, guys, this was actually my match of the night. I really enjoy the hell out of this. I've been a big Walter Mark. I'm sure that – uh, Chris probably was sick of me talking about him six months ago when I started realizing him <laughs> over in uh, progress and doing his stuff in ICW and over in Europe and also in uh, PWG. And the guy's a monster. I think that I forgot who it was. It might've been, it might've been uh, Brian Alvarez, but I could be completely wrong. Someone said that he would have been a perfect classic heel to go against Bruno San Martino back in the friggin' like late seventies. Um, he just has this presence of him, and I, I kind of compared it, Joel, with Walter. Uh, he reminds me of Wilson Fisk from Daredevil. Yeah. Like that type yeah, of – Yeah, he does. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's exact performance, like that type of – and then he has much – obviously, he's a big Kenta Kobashi fan. That, that He cites that as his biggest influence. Um, he definitely has I, – I think it was Nigel McGuinness who pointed this out once, or maybe it was Moro, you know, a young um, – a young Andre the Giants type of presence. And I know, obviously, he's six four, six five. Andre's obviously seven foot, maybe a little bit taller. But compare, when you have him go against all the modern age, it's the, 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 the height is the same. And that's what I'll say about Pete Dunne, man. Is he might have he lost this match, but, man, was he a fucking badass. I am completely with you, Chris. I think that if they use him properly on Maine, he will be this generation's version of Chris Benoit. And, and, you know, as much positivity in that concept of just being this fierce, smaller competitor, or like a Fit Finley hybrid, if you will, 
that doesn't that doesn't you know deal with shit from anybody and can actually go physically with someone that much bigger than him. Walter's like 350, man. He's a big dude. And Pete Dunn was picking him up. He did the bitter end to him. Like, I just was – I was floored by some of the spots in this match. I was floored about how much Pete Dunn's chest looked like hamburger meat from all those damn chops. It was so friggin' physical. They beat the living shit out of each other. And at the end, after a super power bomb from the top ropes – and a snooker splash, Walter finally beat Pete Dunne. He couldn't get him with the, uh, the sleeper hold. He couldn't get him with the power bomb. So he went and did something a little more crazy. None of it. The thing about Walter is none of it's crisp. It's all very just violent. Um, <laughs> that, that's just his style. And uh, Pete Dunne lost the title after over 600 days of having the UK title, beating people like AJ Styles, Brock Lesnar, I'm pretty sure CM Punk, all those reigns. He's had that UK title longer then, so that's impressive. There's only probably one guy, we'll talk about him later, uh, that's had a, a title reign a little bit longer than that. Um, I, could be, I don't know. Akata's beaten Pete Dunne, I believe. Chris, either way, wh- wh- what do you have to say about this match? I really enjoyed the match. I think it, it got hurt a little bit by its spot on the card coming right after the Dream match and uh, the Riddle match just because – Velveteen Dream's so fucking over, and that match was really, really good as well. I think, it, you know, Walter is this for some fans, I'm not going to say all of them, but some are, for some of the fans that were there, this would have been the first time they've probably seen Walter. They might know who he is, but this yeah. is who would have been the, maybe their first time seeing him live or not. Definitely not as much as they've seen Riddle and Dream. And because like, I it, it would take a lot for me to say that all of those fans are watching, you know, NXT UK or, or watching a bunch of UK wrestling, um, even even with it being the mania crowd. I just think you get kind of a mixture of people. You know, you get diehards and then you get people that are like, I really love wrestling and I watch all the WWE stuff. You just get a weird mixture. And I think like kind of how I got positioned on the card hurt it a little bit to begin with. But they were able to turn that around. As soon as they started throwing chops on each other, you could hear the crowd start stirring. And I think that's one thing that you could take away from both these performers is that they were able to, by the end of that match, the crowd was fully back into it and, and ready for it to go, which when we talk about Mania tomorrow, there's going to be some segments there where they were not able to get that exhausted crowd back into it. But I, right here, I think Walter and Dunn did a great job. It was a lot of fun. Very much the, I would almost say the opposite of what the Velveteen Dream and uh, Riddle match was as far as how it was worked because it was just very, very hard hitting, like all Pete Dunn matches. Um, but I, I loved the, uh, the end spot with the top rope power bomb into the splash. Walter's splash looks crazy. I mean, it looks like a, it looks like if Optimus prime was giving you a splash, like, especially with Pete Dunn being smaller. So uh, from that standpoint, it just looks fucking nuts. And I love it. I mean, he's just such a badass, and I, I can't wait to see what he does with the NXT, uh, the, the NXT was it the UK NXT title. I guess that is what they're calling it. Right. Um, so I'm looking forward to him going over there and just being dominant for a while. Um, and I'm also looking forward to seeing what they do with Pete Dunn going forward. Because I like Pete Dunn is one of my favorite wrestlers in all of, I guess, all of the different pieces of WWE at this point. He is, he is uh, by far one of my favorites and I look forward to seeing what they can do with him once he gets to Maine. And I think, you know, if you put him up into like SmackDown, you put him in the right situation, you can get him working against Joe and uh, AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan. Oh, wow. Not the, the larger guys, but you get to see some crazy ass matches. And that's kind of what I hope for. Or even him, him versus Joe. like a Ray Mysterio. Or him versus Ray Mysterio. I think there's just so much you can do with yeah. him that would be fucking phenomenal. So, uh, 
I'm really looking forward to that. And I, and I like this match a lot. Um, like I said, I think it suffered from where it was at on the card. But moving any of these matches, you could – I mean, worst-case scenario, they could have moved the women's uh, fatal four-way here, and that probably would have been worse for them. So from where it's positioned, it actually made sense. Um, but, yeah, it's, I think if you move this match first or, or anywhere else on the card, I think that it, it, the crowd would have got behind it a little bit more. But like I said, by the end, they were able to pull that out anyway, so it, it really didn't matter. Yeah, one of my favorite spots was um, obviously Pete Dunne, besides Fit Finley and Chris Benoit, another person that I know from him in interviews that he's influenced is Daniel Bryan. That's just like that run-up. He does that spot where Daniel Bryan's done a million times where he runs up the uh, turnbuckle and flips all ninja-like, but obviously the stomps. But I loved how Walter countered it and while on the ground started just kicking Pete Dunne in the stomach and in the legs as hard as he could in the face from where he was on the ground. They kept on doing that. It was Pretty damn brutal match. And, uh, yeah, actually, the only reason I started watching NXT, NXT UK, uh, because, I mean, Pete doesn't really – I would watch it sometimes if I knew Tyler Bate, you know, Mustache Mountain had a match. But I don't know a lot of the guys over there. I like Jordan Devlin and a couple other of them. But uh, when I heard Walter was going to be on there – and uh, no, it was when I watched NXT pay-per-view and he premiered on that. I started watching it. And um, I think Walter is a good guy. I don't know who the hell they're going to put – against him over within the wrestlers they have, but I'm sure they'll figure out someone, but uh, Pete definitely deserves to go and do some other things. Uh, Joel, what'd you think about this match? Was this your first uh, time seeing Volta? No, I've seen Volta every time he's wrestled so far. Um, so for me, I, uh, I enjoyed it. Another good fucking match. <laughs> I literally cringed throughout the whole match though, because of all the, I, every time, uh, Pete Dunne does the fingers, his finger moves. I, 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 it looks like it hurts. So I crunch up every time I see him do it, and he did it a lot against Walter. And it makes sense. That's a big dude. Your most vulnerable spot, your fingers. That makes so much sense. And 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 he definitely used it to uh, to his advantage the whole you match. You can't shop without um, the fingers. Exactly. What are you gonna do? And it, it has to hurt. It'll hurt him if he does it. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And Walter, I was impressed. I like this. To me, the, the match started a little slow for me. There was just a lot of locks. But once it got going, it got going. And Walter was up in the—he was on the top turnbuckle a couple of times. I was like, "What are you doing up there? Just finish the match." Um, I was happy he won though, because um, to be honest, I love Pete Dunne, uh, but he's—he's he's had it for so long. I think he broke a record for how long he held that, that damn title. I think it was—it is time for someone else to hold on to it. Um, so and it's no better than Walter. Um, so I, I was totally fine with it, and I thought it was a very dramatic ending to the, you know their match and. I, again, another great fucking match. I love Walter. I, I do watch UK once in a while. It's mainly just to see him, and, and sometimes Dunn is on there. Uh, but I hope they get more guys that, that are more interesting to, to watch, even though they got some guys in there that I'm intrigued by. Um, but overall, again, another great fucking match. Another a great, this great pay-per-view. Yeah, man, and that would follow up with a pretty awesome – Fatal four-way for the NXT Women's Championship between Shayna Baszler, the champion, against Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, and Kari Sane. Uh, lots of things I liked about this. Bianca specifically, I mean, she's a she is becoming a really good entertainer, and she's strong as hell. She's athletic. She's getting better. Uh, she's still green, but uh, you got to say that double burning hammer at the end was impressive as fuck. Even if you have Io Shirai and Kari Sane, that was pretty damn cool. 
I'm glad she's laying back a little bit on the whipping and using it only in like a moment where it's really, really needed. Um, I think that's a good thing for her. I loved uh, the inner turmoil between Kari Sane and Io Shirai being friends, but having to basically take each other out and lose opportunities to win the match. I don't know if they're going to go somewhere with this because they also have a tag team they're blossoming. And they're both obviously ready for Maine. We saw Kari Sane at the uh, the Under the Giant, or not the Under the Giant, the not anymore Moolah uh, Battle Royal, whatever the fuck, the Ovarian uh, Trophy Battle Royal. How about that? Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like a. Fr- <laughs> it looks. Dude, have you seen the fucking trophy? It looks ridiculous. Anyway, but um, <laughs> I love Shayna Baszler. I know that so many people probably said this match sucked because Shayna won. And when she came after that double burning hammer and took Bianca and put her in the, the whatever, the Karakima, I can't pronounce that shit. The fucking lock choked her out. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was great. I thought she was going up to Maine because I think they could use a menacing heel. And she's someone that I think is definitely ready. But they decided to keep on doing this. I have a, like, I have a feeling that... Uh, Eero and, and Kari are going to have a small thing and then become a tag team and go up. I would have loved to have seen Eero win the title. I don't think it's going to happen anymore. I think eventually Bianca's going to get that. Um, or maybe they'll put Candice against her and finally fucking start pushing Candice LeRae, one of the best female wrestlers that they don't use at all. Um, who knows? Maybe. Uh, but either way, I thought this was a damn good match. When she, I was literally cheering while people were booing when Shayna started choking out Bianca Belair. Um, but dude, she's the female Samoa Joe. She's fucking awesome. Shane is going to kill you. Chris, what did you think? Uh, I agree with you on the, the Shana thing. The one thing I'll say is that she seems to be way better in singles matches. So I would prefer when she loses her title, that it be against an opponent they build up, whether it be Bianca. I, I'm assuming it's probably going to be Bianca just to where the women's division currently is. But, uh, yeah, she was great. I mean, she was good in this match. I think she does better one-on-one. Um, I, this match being a four way, I think kind of, you know, didn't show what she can really do, but outside of that, uh, just, I loved all the Carrie Zane, Io Shirai tag team stuff that they were doing in the middle, uh, further highlighting to me that they probably, if you're going to build a women's tag team division, it's, it's good to stick them together, even though they're both great singles competitors. Um, and then, you know, outside of that, the double burning hammer, like you said, was fucking awesome. It's like one of my favorite wrestling moves So getting to see it in general is always cool. I thought that was a lot of fun, and I liked the finish. You know, it looked like Bianca had it done, and Shayna choked her out, like you said. Um, but, yeah, good match overall. Not my favorite on the card, but uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought, I thought it was a good match. Absolutely. Joel, I know that we're keeping you here long. Uh, go ahead. Let me know what you thought about this match, and then, uh, you know, before you get out of here, let me know uh, what you thought, of, obviously, the main event with uh, Adam Cole, Bebe versus Johnny Wrestling. Yes, sir. Uh, so I really, I think I probably like the girl match probably the most. <laughs> that sounds weird. Uh, mainly because I have a really big, I really like what I've seen out of the Sky Pirates. Maybe more so as a team than individually, but I really like them together. And they worked together a lot during this match. Um, and again, the girls that were in there, like Bianca Belair is great. Her hair whipping, a bit, like like every time she uses it, I have to make, I, I, I like to keep an eye out because, she literally damages people. Like, I, like every time, I, I got to see, like, the whip mark. If I see the whip mark, she did her job. And so, so far, I've seen it twice, and I can't imagine it feels any good because it has to burn. Uh, she got Kyrie pretty pretty good with that whip, too. Um, but 
Bianca Belair, great talent. Now she had the I think the, the Sky Pirates together on on her finisher. What is she, I forget what she calls her finisher, but she definitely had both of them and finished them the same way. And I'm like, oh my god, that was she's strong. That's a strong woman. And then of course Shayna, I give mad props to Shayna. I'm not a I'm not a big Shayna person, but I I respect her because she she legit looks like she can mess up any of these women. <laughs> like so I'm not I like she's a scary looking woman to begin with. Um, and I think she did her job because at the end of the day, she won the match. And I know a lot of people were probably disappointed, but you're supposed to. That's the whole point. They're driving her, her stock up, and uh, she was the villain. So it worked out at the, at the very end because you had basically three faces and one heel. Uh, so uh, the, the heel ended up winning it. I was fine with it. Uh, I, I really did dig that match a lot. Uh, again, love the Sky Pirates. I can't wait to see them uh, contend for the uh, women's tag titles. Um, but before I go, uh, Adam Cole, Bebe, and uh, Johnny Gargano. Unfortunately, I, as I watched this match, I uh, I dozed off a lot because I watched it really late Friday night to Saturday morning. So I, I was in and out, and every time I opened my eyes, I swear to God, I saw either Johnny cringing and screaming in pain or, or uh, Adam Cole, and I could not figure out what was going on, so I was coming in and out of the match. But I did. I ended up waking up for the very end. Uh, and, and Johnny getting his win, and it was this emotional ending, and, and Chompa coming out and breaking character more or less. <laughs> uh, uh, but it was all good because you know what? It was I know that he, they, they're they're close, and it, it meant a lot to him. And I was nice. It's nice to see Johnny finally get the damn title. He deserved it. I'll never complain about him getting. Adam will definitely get his chance at some point uh, down the line because he's been there a while too. So uh, and maybe even soon. You never know because. Guys are coming up next week. A lot of things can change. So I, I really am uh, happy uh, for Johnny, uh, and uh, I can't wait to see who his next opponent is going to be. Yeah, man. And uh, thank you, Joel, for joining us tonight, and have a wonderful yeah. evening, buddy. Thank you, guys. Thank you again. Thanks, bud. No problem. All right, so let's let's talk about this, Chris. Um, Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, uh, two out of three falls. Um, so the second time I watched it, I liked it a hell of a lot more than the first time, and I had to watch it because I had the same problem that Joel did. Even though this is only a five-match, you know, pay-per-view, I worked all day, so I was dozing off a little bit. Uh, the second time I watched it, though, I really liked the match. And hearing stuff from the people that were in there, you know, uh, that, that watched the show – whether it be Brian Alvarez or, you know, my friend, um, the audience loved this damn match. Now, translated that to the audience that were watching it over the network, I don't know if it worked out as well, but this was a fucking really well-put-together match. Um, I, I think it was definitely one of my favorites. They were all five really great matches, solid matches. The thing is, the believability aspect, I think, a little bit is what bothered me a little bit, is that I get it. I get the story is Johnny is fucking going to win that damn title, unless, obviously, uh, Adam Cole corrupts that and, said, you know, destroys all of his, his dreams. But this is the last chance. There's nothing that's going to stop Johnny Gargano. He's going to be able to, at the end of it, take two of Adam Cole's uh, kinshot, whatever the hell, uh, uh, I forgot what the heck it's called. Um, the kicks to the head, basically. Like, it's nothing. Um, I think he calls it the last shot. I can't remember what Muda called it. That's making me mad now. Now it's on the top of my head. And it's making the me mad. Shining Wizard? Um, thank you! <laughs> Fucking A. I was burning hammer was okay. going through my head. No, the shot. Uh, Reverse Shining Wizard. 
he could just destroy all of Undisputed Era. He could somehow get their finisher. But it's a two out of three fall match. So it kills it when the first fall of his is just one Shining Wizard. And that's it. And then that was taken. I guess you could say it was on a split. Something happened. But how can you get that much more damage to your fucking body? And then that makes sense. That type of stuff kind of bothered me. But the match itself with all... I mean, these guys beat the living shit out of each other. I did actually love it when the Undisputed Era was able to come out. And, like, they swarmed the ring. And then they realized that the ref was down. And then all of them just jumped in there and just started pouncing them. There were a lot of cool aspects. Obviously, this was supposed to be Johnny versus Ciampa. Ciampa loses the belt to him. I was kind of thinking they weren't going to change things, even if they put Adam Cole in it. But I was just like, man, I'd love to see Adam. I don't even give a shit. I would love to see Adam Cole get that damn belt. Because Johnny did bother me throughout the course of it. Johnny failure is kind of how I felt towards him. I mean, he already had a semi-heel thing going on for like a little while, so that didn't help. But at the end, when he won the damn belt, I was so happy. And I jumped out of my seat. That actually happened a couple times this weekend. Um, don't get me wrong. Um, and it was, it, was a, it was a good moment. Like, you know, people bitching about Tommaso Ciampa. It's like, guys, come on. He's, he fucking might never come back to wrestling. Just get over a little bit. So they had, a, like, a curtain call. I'm not even talking about, like, a Jim Cornette because I don't even know what people of their level think about it. I'm talking about just, you know, us. Us community. Why is Tommaso Ciampa coming out? Blah, 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 blah. Just shut the fuck up. I mean... He's, yes, he's hugging Clarence LeRae. Guess what? It's all a work. It's just there was a long, epic storyline, and you don't see a lot of them in wrestling that well in detail. You know, you have the rise, fall, and then the rise, obviously, again, of Okada. You have, you have the Golden Lovers. You have certain storylines that actually progress over a time period, and they do a good job of, of, of noting everything out. And the ending was taken away. There's no way they could do it the way they wanted it. I thought they ended it great. I teared up a little bit. I had two wrestlers that made me cry this weekend. Damn it! I love professional wrestling. Chris, what did you think about this match? You know, I I thought it was a really well-done match. There were some spots in there, like you said, that particularly the first last shot, I think they should have saved it a bit for the end or had a kick out and maybe like a roll-up pin or maybe even a submission or something to build Gargano back up. Um, also, it's just the WWE booking of if the heel gets the first pin – they're probably going to lose, or at least it seems like that, right? So from that standpoint, you know, that's just being hurt by being a best two out of three kind of thing more than anything else. But the actual in-ring work, what they were able to accomplish, the story they were able to tell, the beatdown that Gargano took, you know, him just consistently being the guy that will take everything they can give and keep coming back for more like he did with Ciampa so many times, Um really plays into his character, and I thought there was some good storytelling there. There's a bunch of spots I really liked. There was one where they both went to a uh, went for a super kick, and Gargano, they both stopped, and then Gargano just kicked, <laughs> kicked him in the knee instead. Like, just some stuff like that, little nuanced stuff that I really, really enjoyed. Um, and yeah, and I, you know, as far as the aftermath goes, I have no problem with it at all. I, I think that Everyone knows, like anyone, I mean, Ciampa's pretty much came out and said that he's going to be gone. I think most of the diehard wrestling fans that were there, it was more for them than for anything else. Because Ciampa, if he comes back, it's going to be on borrowed time, as he noted. Um, Not to mention that their storyline already had a kink thrown in it by them getting brought up to Maine during kind of the build of this match in general. So I didn't really have as much of a problem with it as I guess some other people did. 
it, to me, it was just a nice moment between two friends who have been through a lot together and had probably the biggest feud, at least in WWE in the past year or so, or two years, I would say. Uh, so, you know, I had no problem with it whatsoever. Right? It's a curtain call. We coming from where we're at in wrestling and knowing everything we know about it, it's just one of those little things that, you know, if, if Chapel was going to be back out there next week, maybe I would have more of a problem with it. But as of right now, you know, it's kind of one of those things to get that upset about. Um, but yeah, I, I, I liked the finish a lot and I, I thought overall it was a good match. Um, wasn't my favorite. I know it was a lot of other people's favorites, but, uh, I, like I said, there was, I don't really have anything negative to say about it except for, you know, the best two out of three falls match in general, I think is a really hard thing to pull off believably. Um, at least in WWE, just because we've seen it, um, so many different times. I, I kind of wish that they would have just done an Iron Man match or something. If you wanted to do whoever had the most falls wins, they could have just done a 30 minute Iron Man match and kind of got, yeah. I think got, gotten more out of it. Uh, in all honesty. No, I like that idea. I think that a 30-minute Ironman match would have been a pretty damn good. That would have been really interesting. Um, I mean, I guess it could have ran in possibly the same issues because Johnny took so much of a beating at the end of it. I guess they're trying to get us as fans to believe that he was on autopilot mode and he wasn't losing this fucking time. And I get it. I liked it a lot. Johnny Gargano is an incredible wrestler. Uh, Adam Cole's a great wrestler, a great heel. So we had, we had a very special evening of awesome wrestling with five matches from top to bottom. And we're going to be talking now about another great pay-per-view from this uh, weekend, G1 Supercard, Ring of Honor and New Japan Show in Madison Square Garden. I like the combination team of Ian Riccoboni with Kevin Kelly, with, um, oh, man, uh, Cole Cabana. I, I, they had rotating people, like they had that one Japanese uh, wrestler or uh, historian, I think, that always like kind of goes into detail about New Japan uh, later on. They had people like come in for like a rotating fourth person, which normally does not work. I think they did it well. I think it really actually worked out well with Nick Aldis, and I like hearing him on Ring of Honor's show sometime with the commentating. I think that he's a, he's a damn good commentator, actually. Uh, he's, he's just good at that. He was good at feeding the story of him and Marty throughout it. And um, I, uh, I appreciate that the NWA champion is commentating the Ring of Honor championship match. I think that's a cool concept in itself. I know they're building towards that. But uh, either way, let's get into this thing. Um, I'm going to – well, we got, we, got, we got plenty of time. I always say that, and then we get caught right at the end. But I'm going to – I'll just go over the 30-man honor rumble. I think the biggest thing – that I think was kind of a, a missed opportunity, I believe. Um, it was fun seeing everyone in it. I mean, it was pretty much your normal standard type of Royal Rumble, just obviously quicker uh, with the times and between people. Uh, but it was very lackluster. I know Kenny King's this heel they've been building. Uh, but can we have least, even if you do that same exact thing, can we just get Jushin Liger and the great Muda who came in, that was incredible. And we were able to break that immediately. Uh, a lot of you other outlets did too at the same time. But we had people in the arena taking pictures. Thank you, Michael Hoyt, for that. Um, but, yeah, awesome seeing the great Muta come out, just regardless. KG Muto, who's been retired, I think, now for two years. And Jushin Liger, who's going to be ending soon. It's just, to me, I mean, this is, this is Japan's version of Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. So I would have liked to have seen him kind of square off a little bit more before 
Kenny comes in and ruins it for everyone. Hey, man, great heel heat. Uh, what did you think about having uh, not only Liger and obviously a lot of the other great wrestlers between Ishii, uh, you know, Minoru Suzuki and everyone, but also the great Muda coming out? And then how did you feel about Kenny King kind of ruining that for everyone? Yeah, I mean, it was a fun rumble. It was mostly what you would think out of a Ring of Honor, one of these Honor Rumbles, which is just, it's going to be a bunch of spots. Um, there was definitely a lot of great competitors and great wrestlers in it. It wasn't anything, you know, crazy amazing. I think the big thing to note here was, you know, Buddha, obviously, and Liger coming out. And I, I tend to agree with you. The fact that we didn't get to see them face off was a little bit of a disappointment. Um Probably good heel heat for Kenny King, but it's one of those things where it's heel heat in the moment as opposed to like something that's going to last because Muda and, and Liger aren't going to be around in Ring of Honor. But I also understand, you know, this thing was 42 minutes long. Um, I think that they could have utilized a little bit of that time somewhere else, or maybe cut down some of the spots or, or something. I mean, it was it was a it was a fucking pretty long battle royal at the end of the day and it was for a future ring of honor world championship match so we know that they're going to build something off of this with kenny king but i tend to agree with you i mean i think i think everyone there wanted just a little bit more of buddha matching up with justin liger um just for nostalgia's sake and also it was good to see muda back he's had two knee replacements recently that's why he kind of was in retirement mode for the past two years so it would have been interesting to see those two just just mix it up a little bit before getting tossed over, but yeah, I I think more that that might have been the mindset, and then they just ran long on time, because like I said, this thing was like 42 minutes long, and I think that plays into uh, maybe into the the Dalton Castle match a little bit with how short that thing was. So um, who knows? Yeah, I agree. All right, let's go on to the first official match of the card. We had Jeff Cobb, the Ring of Honor TV champion, going against Will Ospreay, the never open weight champion. And uh, I predicted this. Jeff Cobb beat Will Ospreay. He's a double champion. I think they're going to be moving Will over to the heavyweight division to go against his old mentor and or rival, uh, Kuchuchka Okada. But... Uh, Damn good match. Uh, I love seeing Jeff Cobb take a guy, run at him, and just fling him up like it's nothing. Uh, he just—he's a powerhouse, man. I mean, he's—he's he's an Olympic level uh, wrestler. Um, I, I believe he is. Yeah, he's an Olympian. Um, he's incredible, and then he's a, a ginormous individual. So, putting Will Osprey, who's so aerial and so dynamic, and just ridiculous, like you know, all over the place, so much finesse from him. It, it was a fun pairing, and I think they had a damn good match. Chris, what did you think about this match? I actually thought it was a really, really, really well-done match. I, I was a bit surprised on how much I enjoyed it because we kind of knew that Will Ospreay would probably be dropping the title here, but it wasn't a huge deal. Once again, I, I think Jeff Cobb is awesome, and, and we talked about it a little bit last week. That I love that spot where he just launches people in the air. I think there's just so many great things he does. It's like instead of just doing a move, he likes tossing people into the move, which I think is fucking awesome, almost like if he's consistently hitting pop-up power bombs or something. Um, and it always looks great. And the match itself, this is one, if you're not going to watch the entire uh, G1, this would be one that I would definitely recommend tuning in for. Uh, if you're going to just watch a few of the matches, this is the one that I would definitely put on the list to watch for sure. 
Yeah, I'm actually just right at the beginning since you mentioned that. I'm going to have to agree with Dave Metzler and just say that most of the matches that involved New Japan might have been a little bit more uh, fun and potent than the other ones. And no, that's no offense to some of the other matches, but uh, we'll get to there. We'll get to there. Uh, next match, Roosh went against Dalton Castle. Uh, this is a weird turn of events. I went up while their entrances was going on. I uh, went to my bathroom, which is connected to my bedroom. Uh, went to take a, a, a number one. Uh, was done. Washed my hands. Came back, and Dalton Castle was beating the shit out of his boys. Um, so, yeah. So, basically, Rush beat him very, very quickly. Uh, 15 seconds. And Dalton got uh, mad about this and then took it out and kind of pulled a heel turn. And took it out on his uh, little friend, his, his, his friendly friends, whatever. Um, he was interviewed recently. I forgot what outlet. But he was talking about, like, pumping this up. Like, this is, this is my comeback. I've been screwing up lately. I'm going to beat Rush. I have to, you know, put in, like, a little bit of that twist. So uh, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, did you expect this, Chris? I did not. I actually thought they were going to have a decent match together and kind of pumped it up as being one of the Ring of Honor matches to look forward to. But, um, no, I did not expect it at all. I mean, to me, this is a storyline-driven match. I think they probably would have done a little bit more, but some of these – like that Battle Royale, like I said, it was it was 42 minutes long, and then you still had your top three main events, which were all New Japan match. Well, you had the lad, you have the three-way ladder match, which we'll get into, but you also had the Kota Ibushi match and NATO match, which we knew were gonna was probably going to go 20 minutes or so, mm-hmm. and then Okada versus Jay White, which I was assuming was going to go 30-plus. So uh, if you're cutting time somewhere, I guess this would make sense, especially if you're just doing it for a storyline match. I I was just a little surprised because they've been trying to build Dalton back up, and I thought that this would actually be like a – at least a 10-minute match. I agree. I thought the same thing, but apparently him and Creative have different um, avenues they're they're looking into. Uh, The next match was for the Women of Honor World Championship. We had uh, the champion, uh, Mayu – I want uh, Mayu Iwatani. Iwatani, yeah. Mayu Iwatani versus uh, Kelly Klein. And um, Kelly ended up winning the match. I don't remember a lot that happened through this. I remember that the beautiful people came out. I forgot both uh, uh, female wrestlers' names, and I apologize. I, I know them through TNA, but I wasn't actually watching it back then. But I found it weird because Madison Rain just left Ring of Honor to go back to Impact, because, I mean, her husband, Josh Matthews, is part of it, but she just kind of made her entrance back into there. So they decided to do the faction with her, without her, with the other two ladies. Very random, very thrown off. Pretty good women's match, I think. <laughs> uh, we had a new champion, though. Chris, what do you think about this? I felt like this was a little bit of a sloppy match, and, and I don't really know that the crowd ever got into it. From At least from me watching at home, it didn't seem like the crowd really ever got into this match at all. And I don't know if it's because they they were upset because of what happened with the Dalton Castle match or, or what the hell was going on with that. But, it, you know, and then the beautiful people showing up with, uh, with the Velvet Sky and uh, Angelina Love, you know, coming out wasn't it didn't really do anything for me. Cause like I said, that's kind of a weird situation too, where they're not going to be, I don't see them being a huge part of ring of honor. So yeah, I mean, this match really did nothing for me. This is one that I could have probably done without on the card. I agree. All right. Well, 
I didn't buy this match when it started actually cooking, but at first it was just completely pointless. I'm not going to even. I would have rather Floor Rider come out and had a performance. That was fucking Bully and the gentleman that made the Mask Square Garden song. And I'm just like, what the fuck is this? And then Bully basically earlier was shown on video that uh, Juice Robinson, who he's going against, uh, hurt himself. Someone kind of smashed him and ran off, and you could see him like getting out of there. Obviously, it was Bully Ray. And he put an open challenge to anyone who wanted to come out and do a hardcore match. Well, Flip Gordon, who I thought was, I thought he re-injured an injury that he was already nursing and that he was going to be out for like six months. But apparently uh, he was able to come and Flip Gordon uh, and Bully had a match. It turned into a three-on-three when Silas Young and Shane Taylor ran out and started beating the crap out of Flip Gordon. So Juice Robinson, who all of a sudden miraculously was fine, and Mark Haskins uh, came out. And it was pretty good. I mean, they just beat the living hell out of each other. There was a part where Flip literally took shots from all three dudes. I really like Silas, uh, Silas Young. I think he's awesome. Just old school badass heel. And uh, I do like Flip Gordon. Uh, this is whatever. Uh, it was it was it was brutal. And Bully lost at the end. He got his ass kicked. He got every finisher in the book. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, it was just it, it was a weird bunch of things. That's the best way to put it, Dalt, from going from the Mega Ran to actually Flip Gordon wrestling in a match knowing he's hurt, which I know this is kind of probably why they decided to handle the match the way they did is because Gordon's not 100%. But, yeah, I mean, the entire thing was uh, was a bit weird. Um, Gordon took some fucking gnarly kendo shots. There's just tons of kendo sticks all over the place, but he, I mean, he took a beating with them, and... Uh, yeah, I, it was a weird match. I, I didn't hate it. It and it's kind of even hard to call it a match as much as it was just like a four or five minute brawl. But yeah, it's it is a little bit a little bit strange for sure. Um, not bad, just not anything. If you like, I said, if you if you haven't watched this already and you're listening to this and you're looking for something that you could probably skip, I would say you could probably skip this one. It's nothing to write home uh, to. That's the, well, let's put it that way. All right, so this is this is where the ma- the uh, the night started picking up a little bit. Our next match we had for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, we had uh, the champion Dragon Lee, or not? I just gave it away. Uh, the the champion Tajiri, uh, Ishi, Taji uh, Ishimori uh, going against Bandito and Dragon Lee. I said I don't think Bandito is getting it because I can't see a Ring of Honor star who's obviously stationed over here. Uh, going and being the champion for Japan. I knew Dragon Lee obviously does stuff with CMLL and New Japan goes back and forth all the time. And so I was like, it's going to be either Dragon Lee or Taji Ishimori. I thought they were going to go with the champion. They put on Dragon Lee. This was a fucking awesome match. If you want to see a badass match under nine minutes long, these three put it on. They did. They pretty, pretty much did everything that you could possibly think and more. And they packed it in and Dragon Lee ended up winning. Uh, what did you think about this, Chris? There is so much shit that happens in the first 60 seconds of this match that if anything, know, just watch dude. the first 60 seconds of it because there's like a second rope moonsault. There's a, uh, there's a couple springboards. There's a top, you know, top rope hurricane Rana to the floor. I mean, there was just a ton of crazy stuff. And, um, you know, it wasn't just all spots. I think they, you know, they all got their own shit in, but at the same time they were able to tell, a decent story for a three-way match and they 
kept it under 10. I mean, it was, it was like almost exactly 10 minutes. And just absolute crazy. I mean, the fans were super into this, especially after watching the bra, which I think people weren't really getting the whole, getting all of them in that match, I think really kind of flattened the crowd out. And this was a major pickup. And I think this, you know, led into uh, the tag match, which I thought was really, really good. But yeah, it was, uh, this one I would say is, is, is a match that you should watch. And it's a really quick one too. It was, uh, it was awesome. It was, I, I liked everything about it. And it's really cool to see Dragon League get the title. Interested to see what they do with them in uh, New Japan, obviously. So it's going to be uh, good stuff. Yeah, man, I agree. And let's talk about that tag match. We had a tag match, a four-way tag team match for both the IWGP Tag Team Championships and the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships. And the Ring of Honor is, uh, my lord, PCO and Brody Lee. And obviously, Gorillas of Destiny were the IWGP champions. And they won it. Um, this match, I can't say that I've really kind of, I mean, I like this tag match. I really do. I think it was a good tag match. Briscoes are always good. I wish that I got to see a little bit more of the Tongas and, and Sonata and Evil, but there was just so much of it. I think has to go to PCO for making it memorable between doing the, he's a fucking crazy dude. If you guys don't know, PCO is around the same age. I think he's like 50. He's got to be close to 50. He's, he's in the same age bracket as, as Undertaker, Sean, and all them, uh, Triple H, uh, Batista, all those guys. And he took a bump. He, he did a fucking senton onto the damn apron. And then, that's not it. No, no, no. This man's going to take like a – they tried to make it a running uh, powerbomb between uh, the Grills of Destiny. But they, they ran, powerbombed him, not through a table, just onto the fucking concrete floor. Holy shit. And I remember hearing this guy talk to Stone Cold not too long ago and say, no, my body's fine. It's great. And I'm just like, how? And then he does this shit. And, uh, yeah, but I, I think this was this match might have been a little bit um, cut down because of what happened afterwards. We already talked about that, so we're not going to give that any more, um, any more details. But either way, like I said, Tamatanga, Tongaloa, they won. Um, they grabbed their Ring of Honor championship belts. They can't find their IWGP tag team belts. Yano's got them. He runs off with them. I don't know if they're going to be going against him and, um, and Cole Cabana or him and someone else. Maybe they're, they're, they're trying to get something going on. But uh, either way, good tag team match. Chris, what do you think? And is PCO really Frankenstein? Cool intro thing, by the P- way, too. Yeah, PCO might actually be really Frankenstein. Um, it was it was kind of crazy. Uh, I really enjoyed there's a spot where Evil just uh, – he he obliterated Tonga with a chair, which was awesome. The PCO uh, – Powerbomb spot was nuts. Please, no one ever do that again. Don't let that be the the standard. Is people just taking power bombs all the way to the floor? Um, it looked absolutely nuts. It was a cool spot. These guys, uh, PCO especially, took one hell of a beating. I thought it was a. Uh, I wish it had a little bit more time. I still really enjoyed the match. It's cool to see Tam, uh, Tama and Tangalo. Uh, both doing, you know, IWGP and Ring of Honor. I think that's going to be interesting. And I do think that they are going to go with Yano and probably Polk Cabana as his partner, um, which could be interesting. I don't, I don't know. I'm not super stoked about the matches that they will have, but I think it'll that they can at least be entertaining. I agree. All right, let's move on. Uh, all four of these matches, man. Holy shit. 
Um, the first one out of these was the British Heavyweight Championship. We saw Zack Sabre Jr., uh, Wataka Mishinoku, going against Hiroshi Tanahashi and defeated him by submission by dislocating his shoulders, his leg, his ankles, his fucking, his neck, everything basically on him. Zack Sabre Jr. is a human anaconda. He looks ridiculous. And how it's believable that a lengthy guy or lanky guy like him can actually do that type of damage. But he does. Uh, and I thought, I thought it was a good match, man. I thought it was a very technical. Uh, if you're not into technical wrestling, you're probably not going to like this. And I find you boring. But I thought it was very well done by two of them. Um, I like that. It's like, it's like there was nothing Tanahashi could do. He would put in his finisher. He would jump off the top ropes, and he would literally go directly into a finisher, reverse. Zack Sabre is just one of these guys, man, that watch wrestling. I think, I think it's easy to say that he might be the best technical wrestler of, of his generation. Chris, what did you think about this match? And Tanahashi losing. I didn't have a problem with, uh, with Ace losing, I think that they're going to play up that Ace is going on a little bit of a losing streak after losing the title. And obviously, he we di- we didn't know this at the time, and we don't. I, I don't think it happened during the match. But apparently, you know, he's like we talked about earlier. He has an injury on his elbow, so I may that may have factored into some of what they could do in the match. But uh, I he didn't get a ton of Tanahashi's. He didn't get a single like attempt for a high fly flow. From what I remember, uh, it was really just Sabre taking it to him and working the arm. Um, not their best match. I've seen those two guys work together, but it was a, it was a fun match and, and very good and, and definitely different than a lot of the ring of honor pieces of this card. And it, it kind of builds into the rest of the night. I, I, not my favorite match of the night, but it was a good match. And um, I guess, you know, with some of these people that going against each other, I've seen them work before and I kind of wanted a little bit more. But now knowing that Tanahashi may have been injured going into the match, I think it was really good for what we got, if that makes sense, I guess. Absolutely. I agree. I, you know, I, and I think I, I agree with you, too, about Tanahashi. I think that we're going to rebuild him, and he's going on a losing streak for obvious reasons to kind of, you know, start back up. And, I mean, it's not like he's, he's going to go anywhere lower on the card because he's Tanahashi. He's there, John Cena. And people actually like him completely not having to do a rapper gimmick from 2002 to get him to start cheering for him again. <laughs> Just kidding. Word life. Uh, the greatest of thugonomics. Uh, yeah, this next match. Hey, man, let me ask you a question. Would you rather have uh, – would you rather feel like Pete Dunne does now, Tetsuya Naito, or Jay Lethal? You got to pick one of those three guys uh, waking up the next morning after their matches. Who do you got? I never want to feel like Naito because I feel like he – fucking kills himself to make sure he puts on a good match every every time he goes out there. The dude is like he, he I'm I'm glad that Okada dialed this back a bit, but him and Okada are just like the consistently taking neck, neck bombs and Okada kind of dealt dialed it back, but Nato still getting dropped on his neck and head it seems like almost in every match that he has. And I mean it's fucking looks crazy. I, it's just I'm hoping that he's not going to end up breaking his neck. Um, that's as much as I love NATO. I wish he would just dial it back a little bit. Uh, and I, cause I think his matches will still be amazing, but yeah, if I, if I had to, if I had to not be one of them <laughs> right now, um, I would say probably NATO just because he's been doing this shit for the past. I mean, I don't know that the guy has had a break. He's had some huge matches and uh, I feel like every time I watch one of his matches, while I absolutely love it and he's one of my favorites, I'm like, man, his poor neck. 
<laughs> so uh, I'm going to say NATO on that one. How about you, Dane? What's, what's, what's you, who do you not want to wake up as? <laughs> I don't know, man. Jay Lethal, that last ladder hit, man, sucked. But, yeah, dude, fuck <laughs> Jay Naito. Fuck that. My Lord, man, I, I can't do the spot. You notice, and, and Matt Riddle did it with Velveteen Dream, but the way he did it, and I know it's NATO's fault because I'm, I'm pretty sure he's, he's basically rolling into it like this. That spot at the apron, he grabs him around the, the waist, gets the second rope, and does him suplex. Velveteen Dream does a full extension. So, yeah, it's not as devastating, but it still looks cool, and you still land right on your fucking face, and you're, you know, it, it, just, just rotate completely. There's no reason to roll on your neck. It just, my Lord, that spot did not need to be there. It was an awesome match. And I think I messaged you. I definitely messaged Hoyt that was there. I said, I, no, I warned Hoyt. I said, you're going to see stuff between these two guys. These guys are going to put on a great match, but you're going to cringe from some of the shit they do. And I said to you, God, I hope they don't kill each other in this friggin' match. And uh, Kotobushi definitely got out a little bit uh, less damage than Tetsuya Naito. He obviously defeated him and won the IWGP uh, Intercontinental Championship, which I didn't see coming. But... Kota's, I think they're building him now into one of the top stars, if not eventually the top baby face of New Japan now that he officially signed a full-length contract. So uh, just, my Lord, fucking that match was crazy at the end. There were so many Kamagoyes and just like, you know, him doing the Kinshasa, which I guess is the same thing. I Kevin Kelly tries to explain it every single time. I know that one's called differently, but... I'm pretty sure you're just kneeing them in the face by grabbing their arms. I don't know how the hell they're exactly the same thing. Either way, it looks devastating, and Kota Bushi won. What did you think, Chris? I thought it was an awesome match. Just tons of great counters, great back and forth. Obviously, like we, we've already talked about, there were some scary things, just like there always is in every NATO match, um, or at least as of late, it seems like. Um, that German, the German Ibushi hit that you're talking about was absolutely crazy. Ibushi using the, the Bumaye I thought was uh was kind of just a cool spot, just like honoring people, you know, um, people he considers the best of the best, right? And um, just there's this one amazing spot where uh, it's towards the end of the match where NATO hits a, a poison Rana into the Destino, which was just absolutely incredible. And I think that should have definitely been the end of it, you know, but um, it, it was great. And it's going to be cool to see Kota Ibushi get a run with the title. And it honestly makes sense with the way the heavyweight card is right now because I think that you could build Nato up, Nato up to be uh, Okada's next opponent probably and let Abushi o- carry the title and see how they feel about him holding a title because uh, this is the first time you sign a contract with New Japan, so maybe there's some hesitation there. Meanwhile, you know, Nato is kind of a proven commodity and it gives uh, it's going to give Okada something to do. And then also now that Tanahashi's gone, you need another main event player for the tournament. So. Uh, I think I think a lot of it makes a lot of sense. The match itself was really really good. It's it's my second favorite match of the night, and only because the the, the main event that we're going to talk about was phenomenal. And NJ White continues to grow on me. So. Yeah, we'll get to that for sure. But I, I agree with you. Same thing. Second favorite, definitely get to the favorite. Next one, I actually really like this match. I know it was long. It was almost thirty minutes long. And we're about to get – we already had a long match before that with Ibushi and Naito, and we're about to have an even longer match with Okada and Jay White. But for a ladder match, I think these guys pulled off an excellent ladder match. I I liked a lot of the spots that they did. 
really impressed by Matt Taven. I don't know a lot about him. Um, I knew that obviously he's had, he's been in the kingdom. He used to be, it used to be him, Adam Cole, uh, and, um, oh man, Maria and, um, Matt, uh, fuck. I'm about to say Menounos. You know what I'm saying? Basically. <laughs> They're the greatest. Um, yeah. Maria, Mike Canellis. Thank you. That was them. Obviously it's now him and other people, but either way, I was really impressed by the Iron Man match I watched with him and Jay Lethal. That was my first experience of watching him. Um, I really liked him. He was a he was a damn good heel. He plays a damn good heel. Jay White does, plays a damn good heel. There's a couple that just know how to really fucking piss off the audience. Obviously, everyone's saying, fuck you, Matt Taven. Um, and he screwed it up for it, and I, I liked it. Sometimes I, I don't mean to root for the heel, but this happens. I want Hardy Scroll to win this. I think he's bound to AEW now from this. I know that he has an NWA championship match set with Nick Aldis, and I already said I like his commentary. I thought he provided uh, some good commentating. Add a little bit of flavor to it, building the match, because he wanted Marty to win because they put an extra stipulation that if Marty ended up winning, it would be a title for the match with the NWA. So there's an added element. Him having the giant purple uh, ladder tribute to uh, Mr. Bret the Hitman Hart with his uh, colors. He's a big uh, Bret Hart fan. He said that he wanted his Ring of Honor Madison Square Garden, or he wanted his Madison Square Garden moment, just like his favorite wrestler had, basically. And uh, he did. He ended up winning. He fucking, Marty tried to break his finger, or no, Marty did break his fingers, and he sold it so well, they had a spot where he went up the ladder, and he couldn't hold on, so he fell off himself. So he finally willed himself up there, and it's there's two ladders attached on both sides. I think Marty already got slammed on the one behind Matt Taven, and he got taken out of the ring. I forgot exactly what happened. So him and Jay Lethal are fighting over the title. He knocks the title into Jay Lethal's head. Jay Lethal falls, hits the other ladder, and then gets the Ring of Honor championship. How did you feel about this match, Chris? I thought it was an exciting ladder match. A lot of good back and forth. I feel like the fans were clearly behind Scroll and wanted Scroll to win. Um, and uh, they didn't seem to like Taven at all, and I can't tell if that was just heel heat or if they just at some point they realized that he was going to win and they completely turned on him because there was a lot of really heated chance toward him. Um, I, I think what you said is probably right. Scrolls more than likely on his way out. I don't obviously. I think if you're going to put the title on him, now would be the time, and they're not going to do that. With it looks like they're not going to go that route. So I'd assume you know you're going to have more feuds between Taven and uh, Lethal and whoever they build up next and. Uh, you know, like I said, I thought the match was really, really good. The fans seemed like they wa- definitely wanted Scroll to win. And um, there's a, a couple of spots there that I wasn't a huge fan of, but outside of that, I thought it was a really, really good ladder match overall, especially for a three-way. I think three-ways are uh, – you've heard me bitch about three-ways for a long time now, us doing this show, and I, I think they're just really hard matches a lot of times, and I think these guys did a pretty good job. It ran a little long, but um, out of the Ring of Honor matches, this one was by far the best. I will say that. I would say probably third best on the show. Yeah, I, I I would agree with you, man. These three matches, just that block, man, where it starts with the IWGP Junior Heavyweight and just keeps on going. If that was the card itself, it would be extremely solid. They just had a lot of fat at the beginning, I think. But, um, yeah, obviously, main event, IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Can the Rainmaker... 
come back and reclaim his title now that he got rid of the fucking balloons, dyed his hair back blonde, and is not fucking around anymore. He's going against Jay White, who fucked him over so badly, taking even his manager, you know, taking his faction and putting it inside out. And we see Okada reborn. He's like fucking like Goku Super Saiyan level 17, man. It's just, it's great. I love Okada. He's incredible. One of the best wrestlers. Uh, Jay White, man, you got to give him a lot of props, man. Not only is he really good at getting heat, he's a really good heel, but he's also really excellent in the ring, man. He was putting up and dishing out and, and moving, move, uh, you know, he might not have as much finesse as Okada, but I mean, that's, that's a god of wrestling. So what are you doing? Um, yeah, I, I, I was very, very impressed by this match. Um, I, I, I thought it was awesome. And, uh, yeah, Okada won and I was so fucking happy. I was thrilled, you know, him, Gargano and Kofi, man, great fucking championship wins. And Seth Rollins too. That was a little bit different though, but just like feel good, jump out of my seat. Yes. That whole thing. Chris, I know you, I'm pretty sure you like this match, right? Yeah, I absolutely love this match. I thought it was the the match of the night, like I said, easily. I love the fans immediately being pissed at, at Gato. Um, White jumps out of the floor right at the beginning of the match, and the fans just start chanting, fuck you, Gato, which is like, it's good to know that the crowd was into the storyline and everything going into this match. Um, crazy counters back and forth. I will say, you know, it took a little bit to build. I think the crowd was a little bit tired, but uh, once they hit, like, the 15, 20-minute mark, they really started turning it on. And um, they, the, the announcers, I will say, I think it was – is it Kevin – was it Kevin – is it Kevin Kelly that was on announcing? I think it was. Um, yeah. He really sold that no one had kicked out of the Blade Runner and uh, only, you know, a course for Okada to – kick out of the Blade Runner, right? So he kicks out of the Blade Runner, you get all this great back and forth, and then you just get, of course, Okada, Rainmaker, Rainmaker. Um, You know, White went for the Blade Runner again, and and Okada turned it into a tombstone, and then just another Rainmaker for the finish. The finish was so good, and I love that the Rainmaker has been so protected, even when people kick out of it, you know the fact that he doesn't release it and can turn it into the Tombstoner and then back into another Rainmaker. It's what makes his finish so viable, even though that you've seen like people like Omega kick out of it. It's just knowing that it's never going to go away, and it's so consistently there. And if, if even if he thinks he needs to hit you with it 100 times, it's coming 100 times. He doesn't ever sell frustration over it. You're just going to get another one. And uh, the match itself, man, I thought especially the last, I would say, five to ten minutes of this match was absolutely amazing. Um, probably my favorite match of the entire weekend with the, with the second being Kofi and Brian, uh, which the Kofi and Brian one I don't think was as good of a match, but I think the – the build-up to it and the overall meaning of Kofi winning the title and seeing the New Day and the, the aftermath of it and everything w- was absolutely great. Um, as well as it was really great to see Okada get the title back in Madison Square Garden. But those were my two favorite matches of the entire weekend. And, uh, yeah, dude, I, I fucking love this match. I thought it was great. Made the entire show for me. Um, I really wasn't feeling the show at all up until, like you said, the uh, probably the tag team match I think got me back into it. But yeah, the beginning of the or no, well, actually, you know, I'll take that back. The Dragon Lee match is probably what got me into back into it. But the beginning of this, the beginning of this show, man, I was really kind of down on. And then, 
about like you said midway through that IWGP junior heavyweight match really it really picked things back up and I was able to get back into it and, and really enjoy everything that was happening on the show so um overall I recommend watching most of the new Japan stuff off of this pay-per-view I guess uh as bad as that sounds and and then maybe taking the time to get to see Muda towards the end of the battle royal yeah I would agree uh definitely a good idea well Let's really quickly, we'll kind of uh, breeze over the uh, Impact Wrestling United We Stand, which I still think, like I said, if it's either this weekend or the next. And if it's this weekend especially, I think Don Callis and um, I forgot the other guy that, that uh, run – or uh, they're doing a great job with Impact. They're really taking something that was not doing too well and, and breathing life into it for sure. And they have been for like a little while put your major pay-per-view on this weekend, especially like there's no title match between Johnny Impact and anyone else. Whatever. Uh, him and Brian Cage are about to duke it out for the title. I'm pretty sure Brian Cage is getting that belt. Um, Chris, uh, honestly, how much of this uh, did you get a chance to watch? Well, um, so I watched the Sammy Callahan, Jimmy Havoc, Monsters Ball match. I watched the Lucha Brothers versus Rob Van Dam and Sabu, and I watched the Ultimate X Division match. So those are probably okay. the ones that I can talk to. I started to watch the LAX match, but I was in and out on that one, so I'm not going to give it like a raving criticism or anything. I heard it was pretty good, and I need to go back and finish watching it. Um, but yeah, it was I didn't. I didn't see, yeah, yeah, I didn't get to see Swan versus uh, Flamita, and I didn't watch the Team Lucha Underground versus Team Impact match. You, you didn't miss too much. Um, there were fun matches, but we'll, 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 I wanted to talk to you specifically about the X, Ultimate X match. So Johnny Impact ends up beating Ace Austin, who I think was the standout in that. I've been watching him on MLW and it, since he's gone to Impact. The dude, that flip that he did off the pillar, you know, was fucking nuts. And the, he, he has a lot of finesse in the, in the way he moves. Definitely like him. I like Dante Fox. Um, like Jake Chris. Didn't really know much about the Pat Puck. Apparently, like, it was a lot of promotions working together. It was Impact, it was MLW, it was AAA, um, and it was the local New York one. I forgot, Super Pro Wrestling, maybe, um, that Pat Buck was from. But Johnny Impact was in this, and he's a champion. But I love it that he wanted it because he wants both belts, basically. That's essentially his thing, is he wants to be the best, and why not have both belts? Um, and, and you can love that. You know, we've had some, some double champions in the past, Seth Rollins and Shawn Michaels, Hulk Hogan uh, comes to mind. Uh, but, Chris, has anyone held in the TNA, you know, impact history both the X Division belt and their World Cha- Heavyweight Championship belt at the same time that you know of? Oh, man. That is uh, – I am not 100% sure on that, Dane. That that would be one that I I want to say that maybe AJ Styles had done it, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Hey, I need to I, go back I've done it. it. Fuck that. I'm from Gainesville, man. I did it. Fuck it. <laughs> it was great. It was fucking awesome. So um, there's there's there there's a okay. So the thing about the X division originally it was only if you wrestled in the X division you could only wrestle in the X division. But then they had situations where the like as the as TNA evolved, you started having like Abyss holding the X Division title. So I I can't say it's never happened. Um, I think Austin Aries would come to mind. It's possible that he maybe held both at the same time. He probably uh, believes it, it that like even if it's not true. 
Yeah, it's. I mean, it seems like something that's been done before, but just right offhand, man, I, without going back and looking at who's had title runs, that, that's a hard one for me to say yay or nay to. You're good, man. Uh, well, either way, I think Johnny's going to drop that belt to Brian, uh, Brian Cage. Yeah, but the concept of him, I think that's his backup plan, basically. That's what they're, they're setting him up for afterwards. But if he's trying to go for both of them and he beats Cage, cool concept. Regardless, what did you think about this match? Because I thought this was actually – I really like X-Division matches. They're different. I wish I could play them on the uh, video game. Yeah, Ultimate X matches are always a lot of fun. It was better than I expected. There's less people in what we talked about last week. I feel like that they maybe had dropped some people out um, or replaced some people. I thought Ace Austin looked really good and Dante Fox looked really good. And obviously, Johnny Impact, um, always amazing. Uh, I This, out of the matches I watched, this was probably my favorite. So, and, and I watched, I guess, four of the four or five of the eight. Um, and yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was good. And I, I like the idea of impact, you know, Johnny impact going for the X division title, because even if he, uh, even if he does end up retaining, you could do something really fun where if Rich Swan retains, you have a champion versus champion. And I think those are probably two of their biggest stars currently. And that could just be a lot of fun and just have one of them win both belts uh, at a pay-per-view. I think that could be a really cool moment, especially if you want to put someone over like Rich Swan to get them to the next level. Yep, I agree. All right, so I'll, I'll like I said, I'll breeze through some of these other ones. Team Lucha Underground, Aerostar Drago, uh, Daga, and Mario the Moth Martinez uh, went against um, Impact, Brian Cage, Eddie Edwards, Moose, and Tommy Dreamer. Uh, you got Eddie Edwards, that's crazy. Marty DeMoth, that's crazy. And they never kind of did anything. It was great seeing Tommy Dreamer come in there. That was fun. It was whatever. It was it was, it was a fun match. I'll just put it at that. Nothing too great. Uh, Ty Valkyrie defeated Jordan Grace, uh, Katie Forbes, and Rosemary. I did not see that coming at all. I thought that Jordan Grace or Rosemary was definitely going to get that. They're keeping on Taya. The tag team match was great between LAX, Santana, and Tori Ortiz versus Lowkey and Ricky Martinez. Loki has to be one of the stiffest fucking workers, period. Uh, him, Johnny Gargano, if they're not being stiff, the way that they somehow make their fucking arm bounce off people just sounds devastating. But fun tag match. I definitely say check that out. Tessa Blanchard and Joey Ryan. Hey, if you want to see Joey Ryan get his fucking ass kicked by a chick, or I shouldn't say that, by a woman uh, as badass as Tessa Blanchard, check this out. Uh, it was whatever. So you, de- you said you saw Rich Swan and Flamita. I thought this was a good match. I really like Rich Swan, man. He's a damn good fucking wrestler. What do you think about it, and what do you think about him as the Impact X Division champion? I think Rich Swan can do a lot as the X Division champion. I think he's one of the bigger names on their show. I enjoyed the match itself. thought it was really good. Uh, it's the first time I think I've ever seen Flamita. But, uh, yeah, they had a really good match. It, it was very enjoyable. Yeah, and I think this these next two, for different reasons, were my two favorites. I'm not usually into hardcore wrestling, but Sammy Callahan and Jimmy Havoc, I've seen them tear it up in MLW and in, in CCW. Um, God, they beat the living fuck out of each other. They are both bleeding. I, I know that's cringeworthy, some of the shit that Sammy does, like spitting loogies up in the air and friggin', but – they just beat the shit out of each other. Did this remind you, like, or in general, these are, are these two guys good throwbacks to the old ECW days, Chris? Yeah, I, you could definitely say that with a mixture of a little bit, 
I would even say throw not as bad as like some of the shit that they did in ECW. I think it was at least they the way they were beating the shit out of each other seemed a little safer. We'll go with that. Um, but yeah. yeah, it had that feel to it. It's I, I just I'm, I've never been a huge fan of the Monster Ball match. I thought this was a fun match for what it was. Um, the card itself was a little weird in general, but this you know it was fun. Sammy Callahan's really playing that character up in impacts and I think he works really well there. So it's good to see, see that going, um, see him get a win here. And, and obviously Jimmy Havoc is headed to AEW. So maybe this will be the last we see of more of the hardcore Jimmy Havoc for a while. So I think it may, may have even been a good, you know, just a good send off for him for one, for at least for his fans that really enjoy watching him work that style. Yeah, definitely. All right, and then the last one I think was a lot of fun. Uh, Lucha Bros, uh, Phoenix and Pentagon versus Rob Van Dam and Sabu. Rob fucking can move pretty goddamn well. I'm glad that he signed a contract. Sabu, not so much. But, you know, man, I mean, he's still balls to the wall. This would have been so great if they were the same age. We would have seen a lot of great stuff. But I like how they kept it with with a lot – with. Pentagon going against Sabu and Rob Van Dam and Phoenix trading off their aerial abilities. What'd you think about this extreme tag team match, Chris? It was better than I expected. And like I said, when we yep. reviewed it last week, it was all nostalgia for me. So anytime we saw like our, when our, uh, there was that spot where RBD and, and Sabu both go up to the top, that was, was great and harking back to the old ECW days. I really love it. Um, I'm glad to see Sabu still out there wrestling. I know his body is, is not in the best shape, but it was really fun to see him on this card. And you know what? Um, this wasn't a super stacked card to begin with. Uh, I, I, this match didn't hurt it at all. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was good to see the Lucha Bros, you know, get a win over two legends, people probably that they they respect. So um, I really enjoyed it, man. I thought it was a fun match overall. Like like I said, I knew what I was going to get out of this match when I saw who was booked in, in it, right? You know, it was going to be mostly for nostalgia. It's going to be... It's it's not going to be the most incredible match of all time, but I think, you know, they went out there and they tried really hard, and I think they had a pretty decent match overall. And probably, in all honesty, outside of the X Division match, it was probably my favorite. Um, out and, and the little bit I saw of the tag team match, which I want to go back and watch the tag team match, because like I said, I, I got sidetracked doing something else. So I want to go back and watch that one, because I've heard really good things about the match. So uh, that's, out of all of these, that's the one I want to go back and check out again. All in all, I think with these three just starting off WrestleMania weekend, it was pretty good, man. There was a lot of great fucking matches, and I had a fun time. But this will be part one, guys, of our journey. Tomorrow, um, we're going to get Jeffrey on from Jeffrey Show Live, uh, Jeffrey Taylor. Um, I think that our writer, Alec, is going to be calling in a little bit later to give some WrestleMania stuff from him. I know Jeffrey was actually at WrestleMania and Raw after Mania. We're going to talk WrestleMania, Raw after Mania, and then SmackDown after Mania, which I'm going to have to get caught up on because I'm doing this show right now. Um, but, yeah, a <laughs> uh, lot of wrestling to cover, man. And uh, we'll have some guests in tomorrow to be able to give their point of view, especially one that was actually at the thing. And uh, I think there's one other person um, that, that's coming on tomorrow. I don't remember. Either way. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, remember, everything with Geek Fives, we got a website, gvnation.com. It's geekfivesnation.com. But gvnation.com, on there, you'll find all of our news platforms for everything between comic books, wrestling, uh, sports, you know, we got we, video games, everything. We got everything for everyone. And then 
different, uh, you know, places for our online communities, whether it be on Facebook, Twitter, uh, and our audio listening abilities between Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, all those stuff. Check out the website. Join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And, of course, thank you, Chris, for uh, joining me tonight, and uh, thanks for joining me tomorrow night already. (laughs) (laughs) Will do, man. And thanks so much. Uh, Thanks, everyone, listening to the show. Can't wait to talk about Mania tomorrow, dude. It's going to be awesome. Everybody have an awesome night. And... You guys have a good one, and let the Geek Vibes be with you. Hey, monkeys, it's me, D-D-P, Diamond Dallas Page, the king of Bada Bing, the master of Diamond Cutter, the three-time world champion professional wrestler, WWE Hall of Famer, and CEO and founder of DDP Yoga. And you, monkeys... Well, you're listening to Geek Vibes Nation. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Bang! Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.